Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. This is our last live show of the week. We are going to take the rest of the weekend off and enjoy Thanksgiving and be grateful for a lot of things. In fact, if you would like, you can certainly call today and tell us what you're grateful for. Uh, let's see. We do have Lauren here, so I'm just going to bring Lauren in right away and we're just going to jump into things and get started. We've got a lot on our plate today and of course it's all real food. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Happy to be here. Yeah. I know all that good food we're going to be eating tomorrow. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of eating and food, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Um, I did it on my recording this morning of uh, Kevin's commentary, and it seemed to work pretty good. And I just, I probably shouldn't do this, but I just tweaked something on the board on the fly. Um, Hopefully I didn't screw anything up. But I, I needed to get a little more volume. I'm going to play, it, it's actually a video on my computer. And if you want to watch the video itself, uh, you can go to healthytribe.com and watch this. But I, I want to play the audio. Do you, are you familiar with Bear Grylls, the person? I am. And okay. I saw, I did see what you posted and I'm happy that you're going to share this. It's a minute and 25 seconds, and I don't know why this seemed so powerful to me. Did did you get that same kind of impression that in a minute and 25 seconds, he really just kind of sums up how to eat and why? He really does. And, well, I think what is so great about it is it's a just a conversation he's having with another fella, and... He's, tell, he's talking about his experience. He's not saying this is what you should do or Good anything point. like that. He's just saying, oh, you know, so it's, it's coming from experience. And he's a guy that's pretty recognized and respected, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting because I said I, I just recorded my commentary like minutes before we had to go live. I finished it up. In fact, I didn't get to tell my favorite Thanksgiving story. So... Try to remind me before I close out and end the show today, and I'll tell a, a shorter. I will. I'll tell a shorter version of it. I, I've been telling this story around Thanksgiving for, boy, a long time. Um, so I, I want to tell that today. Like I said, I was going to do it on my commentary, and I just ran out of time. But it's interesting what you just said about this video because in my commentary, which was recorded, it, people are going to hear me say the same thing you just said. One of the reasons it's so powerful, he's not trying to convince anybody else to do this. He was just talking about how he eats. And he sums it up so well. There are a couple things I want to talk about um, after I play this. It's, um, and let's take a look at who this guy is and what he does. He, if I remember right, I watched his show years ago when it first came out. Uh, and I haven't watched it in a long time. But if I remember right, he is um, British Special Forces, ex-British Special Forces, um, 
he goes out into the crazy remote places in the world in extreme conditions and survives on his own, mm. which is really, really difficult. Yeah. And, and I have watched him do like crazy stuff. I watched him one time. It was really cold. Now, I might get some of the details wrong on, on these stories. It's been years since I watched it, but it was really cold and he was... He was really having a hard time finding shelter that was working. And if I remember right, he found the carcass of a big animal. It's like a moose or something. He actually, like, cleaned out the cavity, what was left of the body cavity, and crawled inside of it to stay warm. That became his shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people would be pretty freaked out about doing that. I've also watched him take a carcass you know, that was killed by a predator and and it's been out there for God knows how long it's looking pretty rough and he eats off of it. Wow. Yeah. That's brave. Yeah. But you know what? I got thinking about that and we are going to play this video, but it brought up so many thoughts. There are lots and lots of animals, uh, big predator animals that can eat. I mean, you look at lions and they eat on an animal that's been out in the blazing sun for a week. And they're still eating on it. Mm-hmm. Well, why? We know why. It's gut it's bacteria. Acid. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> it's stomach acid and gut bacteria that allows them to do that. Think about this. Why are why do we freak out mostly about going to Mexico? Don't drink the water. Why not? They all drink it. Yeah. We don't have the gut bacteria to be able to handle what's in that water. But human beings are capable of eating and drinking things like that. Well, we used to be, and and people in certain parts of the world still are. As Americans, we have horrible gut bacteria and stomach acid, and those things could kill us. True. Actually, HCL is a great supplement to bring with you if you're going Good to a point. country. That's right. Make sure that you, that you don't get a bug from the water from eating their vegetables, which have been soaked in the water and whatnot. So yeah, that's a really a good, good point. Uh, yeah. Good I mean, we even have a name for it. Montezuma's Revenge. Holy cow. You know, yeah. but we don't think <laughs> about, well, wait a minute. The, the people who live there eat and drink this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. So this, um, this guy's obviously got some experience living out in the wild and let, let's just go ahead and play this video and uh again it's a, a minute and 25 so listen up here we go i think there we go i love cooking like massive things of steak and liver and uh with honey and a whole bunch of eggs you can't be having that every night steak every night yeah really? twice a day yeah but I don't have a lot of vegetables, a lot of what? fruit, vegetables. Veggies. I always think, well, listen, I always think if you're a, in nature, you're a broccoli growing in the ground, how do you defend yourself? You haven't got claws, you haven't got, right. you know, you have all these things that don't want you to eat it, defense chemicals. <laughs> I think you may have just made your statement that's going to get you cancelled, Bear. Bear in mind, I was also vegan for a long time. Why? I wrote a book on how I thought it was great, but my health really tanked. Did it? And um, and I certainly couldn't do 25 pull-ups. <laughs> Most orthodox nutritionists would advocate eating five vegetables a day. I listen to that and it goes in while I go, I question it. 
One word. Hmm. Lentils. Terrible. Terrible for you. I used to have. I used to break wind all the time. I haven't broken wind in years now. Yeah. You say that like breaking wind's a bad thing. I don't think breaking wind is a great thing. No. I don't. Th I think it's a sign your gut's not very happy. If you're really? if you're farting all day, I don't think I don't think that's a happy place for your gut. Oh my God! There's so much in that minute and twenty five. I just realized I forgot a a big point um, that I wanted to talk about during my commentary, and I just missed it. Um, it this story is so common. Um, the vegan part. I was never vegan, but I was vegetarian, oh, yeah. and I've told my story many times. He talks about being vegan. He wrote a book about how good it was. And now is saying, no, it was a really bad thing. And that's a common pattern. You go from the standard American diet to saying, okay, you know, I hear all the hype. I'm supposed to eat all these vegetables. I'm going to be a vegetarian because meat and all that fat's bad for me. And, and in the beginning, most people do feel better because they, they at least give up some of the bad parts of the standard American diet, not necessarily the animal parts, but they start eating more vegetables in the beginning. And you do feel better. It's better than most of the processed crap we eat. But over time, almost everybody experiences deterioration of their health. He mentions he couldn't do 25 pull-ups. That was one of the big problems I saw. I got weaker and weaker the longer I ate that way. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious. Um, I, I forgot all about that part because there's so many other things in here in a minute 25. I love the part where he talks about, oh, yeah, I'd love to cook up massive amounts of steak and liver with honey. He mentions honey specifically. Mm -hmm. And... We're I know. doing all this work with honey right now. Uh, so I thought that was, was, <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, it was really interesting. But here's something else. Probably what I think is the most shocking line in this minute and 25 seconds. And it, it just shows where we are in the world right now. Because these two are not in the United States. Um, that's not a Toledo accent we're hearing here. Um, they're in the UK. But this attitude, Bear Grylls, you know, the guy says, oh, well, you can't be eating like that every night. And he says, oh, no, yeah, lots of steak every night. And I don't eat many vegetables. And he talks about their the defense that plants have. And the guy says, this is shocking to me. The guy says, Bear, I think you just uttered the statement that's going to get you canceled. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Right. Really? You're walking around, you know, when you watch the video, they're on the ocean right there, and you can hear the seabirds in the background. And some guy is talking about the fact that he likes to eat a big pile of steak with liver, some honey, and eggs. And somebody else says, that's the statement that will get you canceled. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. That... Who would ever think like that? Well, apparently more people than, than we want to yeah. think like that, to be honest. Was, was I correct in saying, in picking up that he, the guy uh, Bear is speaking to, is a, is a vegetarian or wrote a book about veganism? No, I think Bear Grylls actually, he says he wrote the book. Bear Grylls did, wrote a book oh. on when he was a vegan. 
And he was in, in wow. his book, he was promoting it. It was when he was in, you know, what we could call the honeymoon phase of, of vegetarianism and veganism. In the beginning, you do feel better. Mm-hmm. But then he talks about not being able to do 25 pull-ups. If you've ever watched this guy on TV, he, he is extremely fit. Yes, he is. But I, I just... And a, he's a survivalist. Absolutely, right. So we, we talk about, yeah. you know, living as close as possible to a hunter-gatherer. That's his job. Mm-hmm, exactly. And what has he chosen after, you know, years and decades of doing this kind of extreme stuff out in the wild, surviving on his own? What, ha- what conclusion has he come to? that you should be eating an awful lot of animal products and not very many plants. Mm-hmm. And isn't, isn't yeah. honey an animal I'm product? Say, the honey thing. Or, or, or it's an insect it, product. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. come, technically it, it doesn't come from a plant. I mean, we can say a plant is involved, but a plant is involved in almost all of the food we eat. We want the animals to eat that food and then give us the nutrition from it. That's kind of how this works. As humans, we really don't, we're not going to go out and eat grass. We can't digest it. But we want our cows and our ruminants to eat it. So we do eat a lot of animal products from animals that eat or gather from plants. And honey, in my mind, is an animal product. It absolutely is. In fact, it doesn't I grow like it doesn't grow on a plant. <laughs> it, right. Vegans don't eat honey, right? I don't believe they do. I don't know. I don't That's think. That's a good question. Yeah, that vegetarians will, but vegans won't. Mm-hmm. I don't believe Definitely. vegans will eat any product that comes from an animal. Huh. Strict vegans make it's sure that any any capsule or supplement they take in a capsule. If you've ever noted, this used to confuse the hell out of me. I'd look at capsules and, and it would say vegetarian capsule. And I'd be like, what? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, the, the capsule traditionally is made from gelatin, which is an animal product. Yeah, you're right. And vegans are that strict about it. it. I remember when it was such a big deal when, this was years ago, when vegans or vegetarians started connecting the dots between jello and animals. Right. They, I, right. I think it wasn't even a, like, they didn't even know. They just thought jello was like a natural, it, like food product that had nothing to do with animals. Right. <laughs> right. And it, it's purely <laughs> an animal product. Yes, absolutely. It comes from cows for the most part. It's where we get the, the gelatin uh, to make jello. Uh, and when, uh, when my mother-in-law was living with us and I was doing a lot of the cooking and, um, she was diabetic when she got here, she wasn't diabetic, um, long after she got here. Cause I controlled all the food and she loved it. She loved everything. We, we ate a ton of seafood, uh, cause I love seafood and, and she does as well. So I was making seafood several times a week, but she had gotten to this point where she was eating 
you know, two or three of these cups of sugar-free Jello, and that stuff is just awful. And you know, when I was uh. talking to her about it, she said, "I know. I just I really enjoyed it. It was a snack she liked." And I thought, "Oh well, I, I can do this." So I got you know gelatin from Bulletproof, you know, real clean grass-fed gelatin, and I started mm-hmm. flavoring it with herbal teas. So I would brew up a really mm. strong batch of herbal tea, usually some sort of fruit infused, like a you know a raspberry something, and that would be the only flavoring in the Jello. She absolutely oh, like loved them, and now it's it's healthy. Gelatin's good for us if it's raised properly and isn't you know killed in a factory with a bunch of chemicals and processing and you know toxic non-sugar sweeteners and all the other crap they put into it. But Jell-O is actually a pretty simple thing. Like I said, mix up a, a really strong batch of any herbal tea, and there are thousands of them on the market. Every flavor and combination you can imagine when you start looking at herbal teas. Brew up a good strong batch of that. Use that as the water for your, your gelatin. And you have these cool little Jell-O snacks that are actually pretty healthy. Absolutely. That's a great idea. So one little video. Holy cow. I just, like I said, I I watched that and I thought, why does that seem so powerful? I've talked about these things for thousands of hours. And yet that one video seems to have a big impact. It definitely did on me as well. That's one that I'll definitely, I will be sharing with other people because it's just such a, you know, a casual conversation. He's not pushing anything on anyone. It's just, this is what works for me. And I was a vegan and it didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. And it, then, yeah. So here's an interesting Even thought. I have lots and lots of stories of people who were vegan or vegetarian, myself included, um, realized it wasn't mm-hmm. good long-term, ended up, you know, at the other extreme, eating and promoting carnivore. There's lots of stories like that. I keep asking people and I keep looking. I really haven't found any stories where somebody did keto or carnivore for an extended period of time and then said, oh, this isn't working. I'm going to go be a vegan or a vegetarian. I I don't find any stories like that. No, I haven't come across any yet either. That's kind of telling. Why not? Well, the closest thing I've come across is, and this is, you know, the carnivore MD, um, Saladino, just saying that he had to add some carbohydrates back in in the form of some fruits and honey, of course, honey. Yeah, and there's some dispute about that, that he probably went overboard. And I tried it. I, you know, I've said from the very beginning, even when I, you know, not long after I went keto, one of the things I added back in pretty quick was some fruit every day. I really like fruit. And I did it mostly Mm -hmm. because I like it. I I didn't know whether it was, you know, healthy, unhealthy, neutral. Um, And for the most part, one serving of fruit a day, and I don't notice any negative health consequences. I don't gain any weight. Uh, Joint pain doesn't come back. None of the problems come back. So for the most part, that seems to me like a fairly good sign. 
And when we look at the difference between fruit and vegetables, the, the, the thing about most vegetables, if we try to eat the vegetable, we kill the whole plant. I mean, you, you can't just harvest the, some of these plants you can harvest and then they'll grow back some smaller parts like cabbage. You can, you know, harvest the head. And if you leave the roots in the ground, they'll try to grow these little cabbages again. You don't get much. Same with broccoli. You can cut off, you know, some broccoli and it'll grow some new heads. But for the most part, when we eat a vegetable, we kill the entire plant. And that's why these vegetable plants have have created defenses uh, throughout, you know, evolution so that they don't get eaten. Fruit, though, actually eating fruit is how fruit spreads. So it, it would make yeah. sense that fruit doesn't have these chemical defenses, that it wants to be eaten. And what we have to be careful of, though, is the quantity, because for a lot of hunter-gatherer societies, fruit was pretty rare. It was usually very seasonal. There were places where it just didn't exist at all. So I, I think the, you know, the, the reasons between fruit and vegetables are different. We, we are now learning to avoid a lot of vegetables because of all those chemical defenses that cause problems for us. Fruit, I think we just have to watch the yeah. consumption, the, the amount, and the fact that the fruit we eat today is far sweeter than any fruit that ever existed in nature. We, we've hybridized it to be like candy. So I, I do think you have to be careful of how much you eat. I experimented with going to two servings a day every day and muscle pain came back, not joint pain. I, I had muscle pain. Like when I worked out, I would get really, really sore for a couple days. And just going out and working in the garden, I would notice I, my muscles were sore. And it, it correlated with starting the two servings of fruit. And I quit the two servings of fruit, went back to one, and the muscle pain went away. So I think it was just my body saying, that's probably too much. Right now, I'm kind of experimenting with this whole honey thing. I am consuming way more honey than I normally would in a day or will once I get through all this testing. I'm creating, you know, new recipes mm -hmm. every day. I'm trying the hot honeys and all these different honeys I'm infusing. I'm trying them in foods. I'm, you know, creating recipes. So honestly, I'm going through like a pint of hot honey a week. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so far, um, you know, close to a month into this, I've been playing around with this before I even started really talking about it. No negative consequences at all yet. Wow. Well, that's a great thing. Yeah. So I think the small amounts of honey we're going to be consuming, even if we, you know, really start using this as an ingredient, you just don't use much of it. It's very, very diluted then much more so than what people are used to. You know, you take a spoonful of honey and it is sweet. Um, a, a tablespoon of this is nowhere near the same amount of sugar as a tablespoon mm -hmm. of honey. It's not even close. That's, 
Great. Is that because the bacteria is eating it out? What's, it, what's going d- on there? Two reasons. One, think about this. When, when we take, say, you know, when I do small batches, I, I might take a pint jar and I pack it full mm-hmm. of um, peppers and then I cover it with honey. Now, when it's done, I take the peppers out. They are almost, they look like they've been dehydrated. They, they, their mass mm. has gone way, way down. And all of that water is now in the honey. That's why it's so thin and it just pours right out. So we've diluted yeah, the amount I- of honey. We've probably more than doubled the amount of honey that went into the jar. So it's very diluted now. And then you're correct. The fermentation process also consumes some of the sugars. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing like eating a tablespoon of honey as far as sugar and carbohydrate count. Now, um, I, I'm going to have some of these hot honeys tested for those things, carbohydrates, you know, w- what's in there, what, what happens after we infuse these and, and what is really in there. So um, we'll have some, some numbers on that probably soon. Uh, this whole honey thing is kind of a big project for me right now. And I'm having fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun. So I just think this is going to be a, a big part of our, you know, fermented carnivore idea. I like this. Yes. And we'll go back to Bear Grylls. I mean, when when he's eating a carcass that's been out in the sun and the heat for a week— don't we believe that that thing's pretty well loaded with bacteria? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so our hunter-gatherers, whether they were fermenting things on purpose or not, I have a feeling their entire food supply was loaded with bacteria. Mm-hmm. And now we hyper-sanitize everything. Yeah. That's the last thing we want to be doing. Yeah, so going back to this idea of fermented carnivore. We're going to eat a lot of animal products. We're going to ferment everything we can. And I really think that gets us very, very close to the traditional hunter-gatherer diet. Yep, and we heard it from Bear himself. Exactly. All right, so our next topic Another video, by the way, Um, I thought about playing this one, except it's an hour and a half long, not a minute and a half long. I think it's an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. isn't it? It's about, I think it's about an hour. Yeah. An hour. Okay. A little over an hour, maybe. Yeah. Um, But the audio doesn't do this justice. You have to watch this one. Mm -hmm. And I will warn you, this is graphic. Interesting for me is that I am really squeamish when it comes to stuff being done to a human body. Like, I don't even like to watch, you know, I I, I watch all these, um, you know, I watch uh, Intervention, been watching it from way, way back when, season one. You know, I talked about the movie Dope Sick. I've always been fascinated by addiction and I have a hard time watching somebody shoot up. I, I almost always look away. I, I don't know why that bothers me so I, much. 
I am the same exact way. I mean, first of all, needles just give me that. They, they make me shudder. Um, but then just thinking about what this person's doing to themselves, it just, I just can't imagine. Yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm very similar in that way. Then the other show I've talked about watching, My 600 Pound Life, or there's like two of them, I think, that have been on for quite some time, similar. Um, have you ever watched that show? I still haven't watched you, it. You no, need you to brought it up, and I need you need to at least watch one episode. But here's one of the things they do I on agree. that show. the The whole point of the show it's very, very repetitive. Every episode follows the exact same theme. There's a person who is extremely obese, six hundred pounds usually or more. You get their life story about how they got here and, you know, when their problems started and how hard their life has been with all this weight. Then they go to see a a doctor and it's one doctor. He's in Houston. It's the same doctor every time on every show. And he tells them, here is how much weight you have to lose before I will consider you for surgery. And then he gives them, he does, they, they have moved to very high protein diets. They won't usually say keto or they won't talk about fat much, but they will talk about a lot of protein. And then these people go back home and they have to lose this amount of weight. And, you know, you see one, you see the amounts of food that these people eat. It is shocking how much food they can consume unbelievable um and and some of them leptin resistance oh yeah they have uh, i can't even imagine what all they have but you're you're right they can't (laughs) stop eating they have uncontrolled appetites and and that's what leptin their fullness there no longer works yes that turns off yeah yeah they they just keep eating and eating and many of them it's sad they can't really move many of them are bedridden so i remember this one episode where it was a woman she was single mother she had a child that was like six and this kid wasn't even going to school because he had to stay home to help her he you watched him climb up on top of the washing machine and get down inside the drum with the clothes and throw them out on the floor, then climb out of the washing machine and pick up all the clothes and put them in the dryer. Wow. And he had to bring his mother all of her food. That's what this kid was doing. He was like six. Uh-huh. And he, he was How bringing her food legal? constantly. Oh, it was horrible child abuse. No doubt in my mind, that is child abuse. But that's, that's oh, what some of these stories are. But on this show, if they lose the weight that he sets the goal for them, and usually it takes months, then they'll get the surgery. My point is, wait a minute. Why don't they just keep doing what they're doing? They're losing weight. Why stop? Uh. But they, no, they're so happy. They finally reached this goal and now they can go get the surgery. And on the show, sometimes they show the surgery. I can't watch. I just can't do it. I, I have to look away. Wait, they, 
It, they show it in the actual, like the procedure. Yeah, they show cutting and bleeding, and he's you know tying mm. off veins and you know stitching up stomachs, and they show a lot of it. It's pretty oh. graphic. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. I can't watch those parts. I have to look away. That just mm-hmm. I, I have you know. I, here's the thing: I was just talking about with this Aaron the other day. I have no problem shooting a big game animal and gutting it. And and that's a pretty you know gruesome procedure. Uh, you you cut all down the the length of the body, and you reach in there, and you're cutting out the hearts and the organs, and there's a lot of blood. That doesn't bother me a bit, but I just can't watch mm-hmm. human beings being cut on like that. No, neither can I. <laughs> so um, this video that we're talking about, interesting backstory here as well. So. Um, when we've talked about, you Wait, know, what was the name of it again? The the video we're going to talk about suddenly. died suddenly. Yep, died suddenly. Okay. So, you know, people who listen to the show know that I talk about these sudden deaths, all these young people being reported dying, heart attacks, strokes. We've been posting it. People send me all these articles now, and I'm just shocked by how many there are. And we've said. This needs to be investigated because it correlates with the timing of the vaccines. And we really believe the vaccines are causing these things. And we've been saying somebody needs to either prove or disprove this. We, we have to stop ignoring this and talk about it and figure out what is we. I don't have any proof that it's the vaccine, but there's a lot of correlating evidence. So somebody needs to prove this. Or disprove it, one of the two. So this movie, one of the interesting things about it, um, we started talking about censorship online long before cancel culture was a term. It was happening on YouTube and Twitter primarily. Those were two big ones. If you talked about medical issues and you went against the, the norm, you got deleted. This has been going on for years on on medical issues. And then it, you know, became political and then cancel culture came around. Twitter was one of the worst. When it came to the vaccine, if you posted anything questioning the vaccine and you had any kind of a following, it just got deleted. And if you did it too many times, you just got deleted completely. Your account was terminated. The interesting thing Mm -hmm. about this, this is a movie that doesn't mince any words, they are claiming the vaccine is killing people. And, and they go through their proof that now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, this was the first movie premiere since he took it over that they premiered this video on Twitter. Oh. That's pretty interesting. Oh, I did not know that. There, I have not no. seen anything that is more critical of the vaccine than this movie. And Elon Musk allowed it to premiere on Twitter. As of right now, I think there are only two places you can watch this and it's Twitter and rumble. Got it. So you can actually go to Twitter if you have a Twitter account and you can go watch this movie. It's free. Or I also see that it is on Rumble, and Rumble is kind of like the the conservative version of Twitter. Um, and I'm glad there's another one out there, but it's really interesting to watch what's going on on, on Twitter now. Um, 
There was, I, I did see a report this morning that there still may be some censorship going on. There's still algorithms and there's still probably people in the organization. I don't, I didn't verify this, but somebody posted that even though the, the documentary died suddenly is playing on Twitter it's not showing up on any of the trending lists, even though it is trending. It's getting a lot of views, but for some reason it's not making, it's not being promoted as heavily on Twitter as people think it should be. There may be some algorithms mm -hmm. going on in there. I don't know. I, I hope that Elon Musk really does make this true free speech. And it's not just some new version of what he considers free speech to be. I hope it's true free speech. So far it has been. We'll see. But this this documentary specifically, it's graphic. It is really graphic. They show autopsies happening. And the, the big thing that they point out in this video is that when they do these autopsies of people who died suddenly and who are vaccinated and they verify these things, they are finding... I mean, they're being referred to as blood clots, but you can't call these blood clots. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like this. There is a blood clot that you can see, but then attached to this blood clot is this long, stringy, sinewy white stuff. They're saying it's, mm -hmm. it's being created or built from the spike protein in the vaccine, and it the, the best description I heard in there was it has the texture of calamari. Yeah. It's like rubbery almost. Yeah. And you can see when they manipulate it. It's very it's stretchy. Like a band yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they are pulling in these autopsies, they are pulling this stuff out of veins and arteries and you watch them pull and pull and pull. And it's like a magician pulling the scarves out of his hats and they just keep coming. That's what these blood clot mm -hmm. sinewy things look like. And they're all over their body and they show a big pile of them coming from one person during the autopsy. Now, in, at one point, they actually show a beating heart. Like they're doing open heart surgery on somebody and they're showing a beating heart and they, I think they cut into a heart valve or something and they pull a really big one out of this beating heart. Mm -hmm. That was the most graphic part. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I, I talked about how I can't watch this normally. I could not stop watching it on this. I watched every second of it. I didn't look away, and I don't know why. I was fascinated by it and kind of horrified at the same time. So was I. I, I you know, like I said, I'm very much like you. I typically can't see stuff like that. But for whatever reason, I'm just so intrigued. I I want to see what they're pulling out of these people. Yeah. And it was interesting because it was the majority of these people were embalmers who were kind of calling each other up saying, are you seeing what I'm seeing while I'm embalming people? Because as they're flushing their, you know, flushing them out, yeah. they, they, they noticed that, that they couldn't get the, the liquid or the water, or whatever they pushed through. The body, it was like jammed in there and they couldn't figure out why it wasn't draining through properly. And so they started cutting, you know, parts open where they thought that it was getting stuck. And that's where they were finding the clotting 
tissuey thing. Oh, what for lack yeah. of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's the majority of what the movie is about. These autopsies, these embalmers, this these blood clot things they're taking out. But there was also some other interesting things in there. Um, like I said, we've been posting, you know, these young people dying suddenly. There's a clear pattern. You know, they, they, they always have the statement in there, the family is choosing not to disclose the cause of death. Well, look, I get people's privacy and all that, but we've got to get past that. We have got to know what's really happening. And when I see that today, when I see a young person who, as far as we know, didn't have any kind of diseases, nobody talks about, well, they've been, you know, fighting this disease for 10 years, just they just died and they and no explanation is given. Two things come to mind for me, the opioids and the vaccine. Yeah. And both of them are horrendous, and both of them have been made far, far worse by our government policies. So there was one posted recently, a young actress, relatively young, in her 40s. I don't know her. I didn't recognize her. Um, But the first report just said she died suddenly. No cause of death. So, of course, you know, we, we... chalked that one up and added it to our list. Then a week or so later, they came out and said, well, it was leukemia. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, you know, why did they wait a week? I mean, when somebody dies from leukemia, you know they died from leukemia. You don't need an autopsy. They're usually sick for years with leukemia. Mm. I mean, most people don't get leukemia and die a couple months later. So I thought that was odd. And I thought, well, all right, you know, it was... Leukemia, cancer. Well, part of this documentary, they went over the statistics that these types of cancers, all types of cancers, leukemia, breast cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, pancreatic cancer, all of them, the numbers are through the roof and the cases are unusual. People who are healthy and have no history of cancer show up with cancer and then they die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That's really unusual. And, and they, they talked about cases like that. So now you have to go back and start looking at people who died from cancer. Was it a traditional, you know, they were diagnosed a long time ago at stage one and it's progressed? Or uh, these people, it's like they're diagnosed and they're stage three by the time they find it. Yeah, I have heard a lot about that. And we do now now know that our immune system plays a role in cancer. We never used to think that. If your immune system is weakened for some reason, you are more prone to cancer. We don't talk about that much. We always think that cancer came from some sort of a carcinogen, like a you know tobacco smoke or chemicals or and those things clearly trigger cancer, but why don't all smokers get cancer then? Why don't all people who work around a lot of chemicals get cancer? They don't. And we now know it's because there's a lot of other variables and your immune system is one of them. So the, the idea, and there's a lot of proof that this vaccine really messes with your immune system. 
And it, it could be, in a lot of cases, it's your own immune system killing you. And this just may be a case of the, our immune system is getting so out of whack after this vaccine that cancers become normal. Or common. Shouldn't say normal. Mm-hmm. Common. Yeah, common. So this could either be a very, very elaborate fake and a hoax. I, I, with technology today, I easily believe you could create all kinds of video. Oh, there's one more thing I want to talk about in the, um, in the video itself that be, it becomes clear to you pretty quickly if you're watching. Um, they show a lot of footage from, well, there, was, there are news anchors that have died during their broadcast. So they show these people collapsing while they're doing a news show. There was just recently a radio talk show host that died in the middle of his broadcast. And they have footage from like security cameras. And, and so it, it's not like, it doesn't look staged. And they show people just mm-hmm. collapsing. What's the pattern that you immediately recognize? That was so strange. That is like they see something out of the corner of their eye and they're turning with their arm up. It was very strange. They're like twisting their whole body. They, so you see this person standing there. Some people are working. Some people are walking. Some people are sitting. But this clear pattern mm-hmm. is they kind of look up and away. So they're, they're looking up, mm-hmm. like their whole head turns up and away, and then their body starts to follow their head, and they start spinning. And some of them spin three yeah. or four or five times before they collapse. Yes. What yes. the hell is that? I, I don't know. I, I didn't know what it looks like if someone has a stroke or... I don't know. I know. It's so bizarre, but it was such a clear pattern. (laughs) It was definitely a clear pattern. That's what made it so strange. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There, there was, there were so many things. I'm trying, I should have made more notes about this. I thought I was going to remember them, but there were, there were just so many um, weird instances of, of the, you know, all the video of the people collapsing. So those are kind of the two big themes in there. These autopsies where they're pulling this stuff out of people's veins and arteries, and it's just horrifying. And then this weird, bizarre behavior right before these people collapse. And they have a lot of them. Oh, oh, th- th- yeah. there's two of them where they're standing on a subway platform waiting for the train. The train's coming in. They're waiting for it to stop. They start doing this weird spinning thing and they fall under the train. Two of them got run over. Why why is this not headline news? Oh, the bus drivers. That's right. I forgot. These buses were crashing. Five bus drivers. Yeah. Yeah. What, so, oh, weird. There's, again, there's so much I want to talk about. I want to go back to the point that I started on with all this. This could be some big elaborate hoax. You could find those yeah. video clips. You, you could, you know, they put a lot of money and effort into this. You can tell it's done really, really well. So it's 
likely or possible, I won't say likely, it's possible they could have put a lot of money into faking this. If that's the case, no matter what the case is, I want everybody to watch this and I want everybody to get somebody else to watch this for two reasons. If it's fake, I want somebody to prove that it's fake. And the more people who watch it, the more we talk about it, the more somebody will go out there and try to prove this is fake. And I want a lot of people to try to prove this is fake. If it is, we need to know. So the more people that watch it and spread it and talk about it, if it is fake, we should be able to prove that so we can move on to other things. If it turns out to be real and nobody can disprove this, we are in deep, deep trouble. Their estimates based on just the VAERS data alone was that this could be well over a million people in the United States that have been killed by this vaccine. That's a, a, an astonishing number. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to prove or disprove this one way or the other. And the only way that's going to happen is we have to keep spreading it and talking about it. Well, uh, over 4 million people have seen it. And I think it was just, you know, launched, what, two days ago? Uh, Six o'clock in the evening. Hasn't even been 48 hours yet. There we go. So those numbers are climbing because it doubles from yesterday. So Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And and we need to talk about this. We need to spread it. We need to push for somebody to prove or disprove this one way or another. And it shouldn't be hard. None of these people are anonymous. Everybody that was part of this film put their name on it. You can go look them up and find them all. Two of them um, were army surgeons. One was a flight surgeon um, with their name. So nobody's trying to hide. This isn't some weird conspiracy group that's trying to hide behind, uh, you know, a group and not. They are not anonymous at all. They are clearly stating who they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. So right after watching that yesterday, I didn't find this in the news. I, I should go look right now, or maybe you can look while I'm talking. Um, I got this from Alex Berenson. He's one of the, the authors. He used to, he was a, um, a journalist for the New York Times, and he quit because he didn't like what was happening to journalism at, you know, these big newspapers. And he went out on his own at the beginning of the pandemic, and then he got banned off of Twitter. He got deleted completely because he talked a lot about the vaccine and masks and lockdowns and mandates. And he got completely, he, he sued Twitter and won. He's, he, uh, yeah, he sued Twitter and won, took him to court and actually won. And we have documentation now because of that lawsuit that they were actively deleting and censoring people just because they talked about the vaccine. It was absolutely proven. They have all the documents. Um, So he started writing about this, and now he's on a a platform called Substack. 
So it's it's like a blog. So you can subscribe to his. He, he gives away a lot of his articles free or he'll give away half of the article free. And then, you know, you have to be a subscriber. And I forget how much it costs. It's not much, 50 bucks a year or something. So I, I subscribe to his. So yesterday I happened to see this post, not in the news. And, and again, I don't even know if it's on the news yet or not, about a pilot, a plane taking off from O'Hare, Chicago O'Hare, one of the busiest airports in the world. Not the busiest, but it's certainly right oh. up there. And this is a mm-hmm. small regional jet. Um, the, the, the airline is Envoy and I think they're either a partner or they're owned by American airlines. They're their regional arm in, in that part of the world. The flight was from Chicago to Columbus, pretty short little, you know, regional jet flight. Most regional pilots are young because that's how you start in that industry. You fly really small planes first, and then you work your way up. And most of those regional pilots are pretty young. We know that many of these companies mandated the vaccine. There was a huge push in the airline industry to get everybody vaccinated. And on takeoff, they were climbing through about 2,000 feet, I think, which is a really dangerous time. The, and you hear it. We have the video or the audio of the radio traffic. The pilot stops talking. And the next thing you know, you hear the co-pilot say, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember the exact phrase, but he, the co-pilot basically comes on and says, uh, the pilot's incapacitated. First off, oh, wow. the, pilot did, the co-pilot did a hell of a job of taking over the plane and communicating what was going on. Now, this is at Chicago O'Hare. If you've ever watched the flight patterns on these big airports with all the flights coming in and going out, it is shocking that we don't have planes running into each other every day. It is There is so much traffic in and out of that airport. Now, with all that traffic happening, they have to get this guy turned around and landed quickly. So you hear this video or this audio goes on for several minutes. I think it might have been five or six minutes, which is a long time. And the co-pilot is as calm as can be. He's talking about his heading, his elevation, you know, all that stuff. Uh, he's turning around and, and he, he's saying um, the pilot's just incapacitated. He passed out. No response from the pilot. So they're working to get him back. They get him back down on the ground. And now they're trying to get him back to the terminal. And they're asking, do we need paramedics? And then he says, "Um, well, once I get off the active runway, I've got to move the pilot out of the seat so I can climb into the left seat. On this particular plane, the co-pilot must not have all the controls needed um, for ground operation. Mm -hmm. So now you're thinking, holy cow, this guy's got people back there, passengers. If you've ever been in a cockpit, they are tiny. And how you manage to get a full-grown male out of that seat who's, who's totally, he's dead at this point, um, or they said he died later at the hospital. I don't know what condition he's in now, but he's completely incapacitated. And this co-pilot has to try to wrestle him out of the seat and climb into the seat so he can taxi to the gate. And it doesn't seem to be 
being reported anywhere. Well, I know. I see so many things with young people. A lot of student athletes who just fall and die, and you, you know, they never say why. They never tell you why. No. So it's just a mystery. How can we have a pilot die? And here's how it was. It, it, the airline put out a statement. The airline didn't. There, there doesn't seem to be much news about it. Here was their statement. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but it didn't use the word pilot. It said a crew member fell ill during a flight. They didn't say at a very critical time in the flight, like 2,000 feet into the takeoff. A crew member fell ill during a flight and died later at the hospital. That was their statement. Yeah. Unbelievable. We'll never know. Unbelievable. We have to know. We have to, all of us have to start pushing to know. Because you're right. If we don't push, we'll never know. Well, there's one actress that I can think of from Toronto who got Bell's palsy right after getting the vaccine. She videoed herself on Instagram and she's promoting the vaccine, even though she has Bell's palsy. Oh my God. You have got to be kidding me. Oh yeah. No, this was back in July. She said, I think, I think it happened to her in May and in the con, like in the section there where she writes the description, she's saying that that was day one of the palsy and it actually got way worse <sighs> and it didn't get better for at least a month. And I'm like, and you're promoting the vaccine, but uh, they, these people are so, so brainwashed. I mean, there's so many actors that like uh, perform it, like for instance, Katy Perry, who is a singer songwriter, I guess. And she was just doing uh, a performance and something happened with her eye and it was like closing on its own and doing this weird thing. Yeah. There's that one. And then Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber had to cancel all his shows because he got those palsy. But he didn't, they won't tell you if they got Something happened to his wife too. She had, she had a stroke. Yeah, That's she funny. had a stroke. Now, here's the thing. Oh my gosh, if we can sit here and list this many famous people, because those are the only ones we see, we don't see all the exactly. local individuals that this happened. It, all we have to do is extrapolate from this. If there are this, there aren't that many famous people in the world. That's why they're famous. No. <laughs> so there, it, this is a very, very, very small group of people, professional athletes and, and famous celebrities, a tiny, tiny, minuscule part of our population. And if there are this many stories about them, why would we not think that this has to be rampant in the general population and we're just not hearing it? I know. Well, the Washington Post, right before we started the show, the Washington Post um, put out an article today saying vaccinated people now make up a majority of COVID deaths. For the first time in August, it was people that are vaccinated or boosted 
uh, 58% of deaths in August were people that were vaccinated and or boosted. And at the very same time that that is being reported, Lord Fauci is on TV again, happily saying, I think he's retiring finally. I think he even said this may be his last appearance on TV. But he went out with a bang. He, he stood there and said, it is the unvaccinated that are going to be the biggest problem heading into this flu season. He said it again. And he pushed and pushed and pushed the vaccine again. Absolute lies about the vaccine. Um, one of their other doctors, absolute lies, just bald-faced lies about the vaccine yesterday on TV. A reporter tried shouting out to Fauci he wanted to talk about the origin of COVID. Did you see that video? No, the, I did not see that video. Yeah, they asked Fauci. You could hear the reporter in the background yelling about something about the origin of COVID. Fauci steps away from the lectern. Um what the hell her name is, Jean Paul, whoever, the the press secretary, got absolutely nasty with people. You will not scream out in these press conferences. You will wait your turn. We have a process here. And shut the whole thing down. And was screaming back at the reporters. Wow. Do these people who forget who the hell they work for? They work for us. You don't tell us what we're going to ask or not ask. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. The damn reporters need to well, grow some balls and push back on this kind of stuff. You don't get to tell us what we're going to ask you. You work for us. The problem is there's not, there are not enough uh, investigative journal journalists anymore. They're all just reporting what they're told to say verbatim. It's like written, a script is written in front of them, and they're just told what to say. And, and, and so they're you're just right. repeating what they're told. You're right. And we, we need so, to stop that. Yes. I mean, what's the point in even being a reporter? You're just, you're just it, a reporter. Like, it, be a journalist. Go it, out it, and find some news. <laughs> it actually reminds you of, of, like, Russian propaganda that we heard about our whole life. That that's how news is reported in countries like Russia. Yeah. Or China. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're doing that in the United States. We, we were the country that, that said, oh, hell no. Our, our journalists were known for, for being the, the front line defense against stuff like this. That was their job to go out and find this stuff and expose it. I know. Well, even Australia is wisening up. They ended the boosters for people under 30. A lot Remember of countries they, have. That was, that's a, yeah. That's a big change for them. Yeah. Huge change because they were really pushing it, mandatory vaccines. Yes. Yeah. And lockdowns and masks and, and all of these things that were absolutely wrong. And when you mentioned them, you got censored and deleted because it was misinformation. Mm -hmm. Except it's all true. You know, when, when, I, when I see this, this video died suddenly and I see, and again, I, I am not completely convinced that it's real. I, I want somebody to convince yeah. me one way or another. I still have an open mind. This could be some big, deep, fake hoax. 
Um, I, I, I want to know one way or another, but I've got an open mind. I'm not saying this is absolute. There's mm. just an awful lot of evidence and they are, they, the, the people promoting vaccines, pushing them, big pharma, the governments, they are hiding a lot of data. They're ignoring the questions. That just makes you wonder why. If we're wrong, prove us wrong. It shouldn't be hard. It's true. When I watch this, I, I start to feel guilty. I feel like I should have come on the air and, and been even stronger about telling people not to do this. I know. And you I said it a lot. That people make. Yeah, I know you did. But I, I should have did. said it more. I, or I. Yeah. You did say it a lot. All right. What else do you have? Um, regarding that specifically, I think it's time to to kind of you know pivot to what do we do. If we do get COVID or we do get sick, the cold, you know, it's cold and flu season. I know because I'm fighting so hard to not catch this cold that is clearly <laughs> within me right now. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I think I'm on. Uh, here's something else that just makes me a little crazy. Three years we've been dealing with this. It's not going away. They're, they're talking about the triple-demic oh. now. We're going to have flu, RSV, and COVID all at the same time. They're all spiking early. And in all this time, zero, zero talk about anybody getting healthier, strengthening their own immune system. I know. You're right. Zero. They're not saying Instead, a we're thing. we're putting out information about... About eating cereal because it's super healthy for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they're telling us the that, opposite. you know, Captain Crunch is healthier than a cheeseburger with no bun. <laughs> yeah. You know, healthier than meat. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not. Uh, unbelievable. So, you know, the good news is just changing the basic diet that we talk about. Get out of the standard American diet do some sort of paleo-based, very, very low carb for most people. So keto carnivore is really what we're promoting most. That goes a long, long way to protecting you from COVID. Just that alone. There's more that we can do. And during this time of the year, I think we should do it. I think we should be doing everything that there's any evidence whatsoever that it strengthens your immune system. There, almost everything that would strengthen our immune system, there's almost no downside to. A lot of the things we might talk about, you can't even overdo the supplements. Uh, I am going to be releasing a lot of stuff about adaptogens. I think mm -hmm. I have figured out an easy way to deal with the adaptogen issue. And that's, that's what I do. I take things that look like they're complicated and I try to make them really simple. So when I worked with Danielle on adaptogens, and mine was primarily for sleep, but adaptogens are a yeah. huge part of our immunity and our immune system. The problem I have is they're, they're still kind of complicated. You know, there's tons of different adaptogens and they do different things and some are you know good for strengthening your immune system some are good for 
um, you know, letting your body adapt to, to more stress and deal with it and some help your brain think better. And they're, they're kind, they do a lot of things in our body and there's a lot of different adaptogens. And when I worked with Danielle, she was able to look at my history, look at my problem, look at my diet and the way I live and the way I respond to things. And with all her experience, she was able to say, use this adaptogen and this adaptogen and this one, and we'll go from there. She was able to pinpoint exactly what I should take. I've read the book. I've read all the research she sent me. I still do not have the ability to take an individual and say, based on what you're dealing with and all these other factors, this is the adaptogen you should use, or these two or three. I can't do it. And I'm, without a lot of intensive training, I'm not sure if I will be able to. And then if I do that intensive training, then that means we're going to have to work individually with somebody one-on-one, and we're going to have to charge them for that time. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a longer process. It's a process that's going to cost people money, and it's limited how much we can do unless we can train more people as well. And I got thinking that that just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem all that practical. Um, What else could we do? So I have been working a lot on um, the Four Sigmatic products because they have an awesome line of what I believe are many of the most powerful adaptogens, the mushroom-based adaptogens. And they use some Mm -hmm. other adaptogens in there as well, but primarily they're all the mushroom-based And I started looking at all their different products. So they have some instant coffee with adaptogens in there. They have real whole coffee with adaptogens in there. So if you just want to brew some real coffee, they have those with adaptogens. They have functional creamers that are really, really well-developed. Like they're, they're non-dairy, they're based on coconut milk and MCT oil, and they put the adaptogens right into that, and then you use it as a creamer in your coffee. Then they have powders and elixirs. They have all these different combinations of products that have all these adaptogenic mushrooms in there. And my thought is, remember one of the things we learned from the book is that adaptogens are kind of self-balancing like you can't really take too much of it there's no harm in taking too much the only thing we want to be a little careful of is the cost i don't want people wasting money taking way too much but i got looking at these and i started playing around with different drink recipes they have hot chocolate mixes like cacao and cacao itself is an adaptogen so they have a cacao based Mm -hmm. line where they add the different mushrooms in for different functions. So they have, you know, mushrooms for perform. They have mushrooms for defend. They have mushrooms for chill and relax and unbelievable combinations that you can put together. Like you can start with one of their whole coffees and brew a cup of coffee. Then you could put a packet of cacao in it with some of the adaptogenic mushrooms. Then you could use the creamer. You know, again, it's coconut and MCT oil based, but it's got more of the adaptogens in. And now in one drink, you've got multiple adaptogens. My thought is, Mm -hmm. if we were to drink 
two or even three of these a day. I'm working on recipes for morning, afternoon, and evening. And we just made a regular habit of this and we mixed and matched all the products. Like my vision of this is you have like a, a coffee adaptogen bar at, you know, you buy all the, the powders, the cacaos, the coffees, and then you just randomly mix and match. They all go so well together. You know, I'll, I'll put out recipes so I can say, you know, use this packet and this packet and this creamer and, but, you could also just buy all these things and start mixing them however you want. They all seem to go really well together. The flavor of these drinks is incredible, and you can do them NDK style, throw in some more butter and some uh, brain octane or coconut oil, some of the hot honeys we're developing that are good for immunity as well. And if we just do this every day, we'll have all the adaptogens and will probably solve an awful lot of problems without getting too technical. Yeah, that's a good point. I put mine in my coffee every morning. Yeah. Yeah, I have been now, and, and sometimes I replace coffee with a cacao drink in the morning. Sometimes in the afternoon, I do a bone broth with some of these elixirs or powders in the bone broth. At night, I, they have like a, a awesome chai they have a, a matcha yeah. chai, a green tea matcha chai that's really good. Um, they have a chai that's pretty heavy in turmeric, which is good for inflammation in our immune system. I, these are really, really well-formulated products. And instead of making it so complicated, like which two or three do I need, why don't we just start consuming them all on a regular basis? I, since I've been doing it, zero downsides and i have to believe that this is why my brain has been working so differently this is why all of a sudden i've got crazy creative dreams and ideas that never used to happen that that has been a big change mm -hmm. for me i think people realize i'm like off on 17 different product or projects and i'm making progress on all of them my brain is working so much better. And the only real change I made, I can't even attribute this to my stress protocol right now because I have been so inconsistent on the stress protocol. I'm not doing it at all right now. I think I've only done it twice since I've been back from my trip and I didn't do it the entire time on my trip. So that's not part of what I'm feeling right now. I've been too busy on all these projects to do my stress protocol. Um, but my brain is functioning differently in a really good way. I like that. Good for you. And my sleep got better. Not that I'm... Oh, which is huge. <laughs> yeah, really huge. And that may be a part of why my brain is working better too. But even that... Uh, now that I know I've kind of fixed my sleep issue and I can certainly continue to make it better, but I'm really not. I'm not putting much effort into that at all. I'm not doing anything about sleep hygiene or my schedule. I'm working too much. I'm working too late into the evening. And, and yet my sleep is still much better quality than it's been in a long, long time. Um, I've had weird nights where, like I said, I wake up at, with a dream at 2.30 in the morning and I spend three or four hours writing and then I, I'm just up for the day. I mean, that's not good for your sleep cycle, mm -hmm. but I, my sleep is still 
better than it's ever been. And I, I really, really believe this was the adaptogens. So uh, we carry a couple of the products in the store right now. We have some instant coffees. We have the cacao mix, a couple of those. Might have a couple of elixirs. And the chocolate. Uh, we do have the mushroom chocolate. That's an awesome addition. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I am going to get with Lisa and we are going to sit down and we're going to bring all of these products in. I just about everything. I, there are a couple, they have a plant-based protein line that I'm not real wild about. So we won't bring that one in. Um, but a lot of these products we're going to bring in. I'm going to start, I've already put up several of these recipes. I'm going to keep putting up more, but I, I think this is a next big step for us in, in combating a lot of the stress we're seeing, the immunity issues. Um, it, it, adaptogens are a huge part of our immunity, um, sleep issues that we're seeing. I think this is going to be an easy way for a big group of people to improve those things without paying us a lot of money to do some sort of a one-on-one -on -one consultation. Mm -hmm. And then if we're talking about immunity, a big part of what I'm doing with the hot honey is infusing immune boosting substances into the honey. So things like turmeric and ginger root and, uh, you know, here's another thought that I've had. I've said that, you know, animal products should be primarily our food, and maybe we should be looking at plants and these other substances as medicine. And I think that's the way our hunter-gatherers lived. And many of these roots and, and like superfoods that have all these, you know, weird adaptogens, and most of them are pretty horrible tasting. They're very, very bitter, we know there's actually, our, our body responds to bitter. Um, so they're not easy to consume. And I think traditionally, we consumed them as beverages, as teas and tinctures and elixirs. I think that's what the, the, the witch doctors and the shamans and the, uh, you know, the healers, I think that's what they were doing. When you look traditionally, that was a very common way to deliver what they called medicine. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And maybe by doing that, by taking these plants that they do have good compounds in there that we want, but they have bad compounds that we don't. I think our hunter-gatherer ancestors understood that, even though they couldn't explain it. And by by bringing these components through into a tea or an elixir or fermenting them or these other preparations, I think that we're eliminating a lot of the bad stuff. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. So that's what... Uh, we're going to be working on a lot more of that. The, the mushroom drinks, the, and in all these mushroom recipes that I've come up with, a good squirt of hot honey just makes them better. <laughs> Think about this one. Honey makes I mean, I, I am, yeah, honey makes everything better. Um, I, I am working on like the ultimate immunity booster. 
So we've talked about fire cider and fire cider. The whole idea behind that is, is to boost the immunity, fight off colds, infections, viruses, things like that. Uh, it is typically infused into apple cider vinegar. And if you've ever taken a, have you ever taken a shot of fire cider? Yes, and it burns. But oh, it tastes good, but it burns. It does taste good. <laughs> it's got that, it, it's, it's, yeah, there's, there's all those strong flavors going on, and I love all those. There's heat, and there's horseradish, and garlic, and ginger, and black pepper, and rosemary, and all these really, really strong flavors. So, but it is kind of like drinking gasoline. It is brutally harsh. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, you know, I don't know that that's really a good practice. If you feel a cold coming on or you've been around somebody, absolutely go ahead and do it. I, I don't want to do it every day. And I'm not sure that it's a good idea to do it every day. I think that's way too acidic for our mouth or our esophagus. I, I don't think that's the right way to do this. So I, I've been working on this idea of why don't I infuse all those same things into honey instead? And I've done that, and it is still really, really powerful, the taste, but there's none of that extreme burn. The, the honey really mellows out. Now, there, there's no apple cider vinegar in this tonic at all. If you wanted to, I could see where people may take a shot of this infused honey and a shot of apple cider vinegar mixed, if you wanted a little bit of that apple cider, you could certainly mix some in there. But it, infusing all of these same things into the honey gives us all the same benefits, but it's so much easier and I believe a healthier way to take it. And we're getting the benefits of the honey. And we know honey can be an immune booster. Now I took it to the next level. We know how powerful Manuka honey can be. So I'm building an uh, immune boosting tonic and a cold and flu fighter based on pure Manuka honey. Yes, it's going to be pricey. I get that. And if, if you can't afford this, we're, we'll do the same thing with recipes that just use straight honeys. You'll still get a lot of benefits of the other things. But doing a shot a day... Um, yeah, there's going to be some cost here if we do pure Manuka honey, but I absolutely think it's worth it. And then I started thinking, okay, we're infusing all these things that are really good for the immune system. What's one of the natural um, foods, it's actually a berry, that is known, known just about everywhere to be a real immune booster? Which berry is it? Elderberry. Elderberry. Like this crazy immune boosting, you know, anti loaded with antioxidants and all these other immune boosting uh, components. So we start with Manuka honey. We infuse it first with the hot peppers to thin it out. Then the next infusion is elderberry. And then the final infusion is the fire cider ingredients. What do you think about that? That sounds incredible, especially because the heat and the sweet have to balance each other. Mm-hmm. We get some sweet from the elderberry. 
We get some sweet from the honey. We get lots and lots of heat from the peppers and the horseradish and the ginger and the garlic and the onion and the black pepper and rosemary. And so we get this really potent bite mellowed out with the honey and the elderberry. And I, I just, you know, what else could you put in here? Um, this is such a powerful, you know, cold and flu fighter, immune booster. And, and we're going to teach people how to make it at home and it's not that hard. Mm, I like that. And do a shot a day. You know, that's kind of my, my, that's why I did my theme on my, my new show, my, my commentary. I open it with a, a shot, a quote, and a gratitude. Isn't that a great way to start the day? It is. That's perfection right there. I love that. A shot, and I'll change up the shot every day. Because I have tons of ideas on on different recipes. We can use different honeys. We can use different infusions. We can mix and match all kinds of crazy things. So I now have, did you see those three-gallon fermenters I found? Did you see the pictures of that? I don't, I don't recall seeing a three-gallon one. They're, um, they're plastic conical I mean, shape. They come down to a point. They start in a big ball and they come down to a point. They almost look exactly like the map marker that we use now for GPS and all that shape, just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're actually for mm-hmm. beer. They're for beer oh, and yeah. wine fermenting. Um, so they go in a stand and mm. they hold three gallons and they have a drain down at the bottom of them. And I looked at that and I'm like, that is perfect for fermenting honey. Because dealing with honey, so getting how big is that honey next to it? <laughs> uh, those are one gallon <laughs> jugs. Three gallons. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So now in yeah. in my basement, uh, the, oh that is that is the biohacking lab. I've shot some videos down there. Um, the biohacking lab is yeah. now also the hot honey um, test kitchen and development kitchen. So I now have five of those <laughs> three gallon fermenters. Wow. And I'm, I'm ordering honey from Azure in five-gallon buckets. I, I skipped the one-gallon. Those weren't enough. Now I'm ordering their five-gallon buckets. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we um, I'm going to be developing a lot of recipes. So that's the kind of stuff I'll talk about on, you know, a shot a day. And then I do a quote because mm-hmm. I love quotes. They get us thinking and I kind of, you know, take the quote and kind of put it into real world terms. And then I talk about one thing that I'm grateful for, which I, I've said is, has been my practice for a lot of years. When I wake up in bed, I do it before I even get up. Now I'll do it one more time. I'll, I'll share something I'm grateful for every day. What a great way to start the day. Oh, Gratitude is the best way to start the day. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no doubt. If you really sit down and don't just, you know, go through the motions, if you actually sit down and think, and it doesn't take long, a couple minutes at most, of something you're truly grateful for, and, and don't just say it or think it, feel it. Take a minute to feel how grateful you really are for whatever this thing is you've thought of. It is almost impossible to do that and be in a bad mood. It is the surest, quickest way to put you in your yourself in a parasympathetic state. Yep. It's been proven. 
Yep. And yeah. that's why I believe that is why grace is said right before a meal. Yes. So that you're ready to digest. I agree. I agree. So, um, one of the other things we might do, kind of playing around with this, but we're going to have to jump through some hoops and get a couple things certified. But I think we can probably pull this off. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit. There are there are laws around food, like uh, cottage laws and you know home kitchen and mm-hmm. and farmers market rules and places like Etsy. Where with minimal, you don't have to go through all of the FDA and state stuff. There, there are some hoops you have to jump through and you can get certified as, as a home kitchen or a cottage-based food business or you can use some of the farmer's market rules. You're limited on how much money you can make. That, that's one of mm-hmm. the big limitations to using these rules. It's a fairly small amount. Here in Oregon, I think it's $20,000 a year. Yeah, and that may sound like a lot to somebody. And if you were running a home Etsy business and you were able to generate $20,000 a year, that would be pretty awesome. But when you look at the kind of volume yeah. we go through, if we tried selling any of this stuff, um, through our website on these cottage rules, we would max out pretty quickly and we'd be done for the year. So I looked at that and it just doesn't make any sense. But I got looking at those rules and with pretty minimal stuff, we could give it away and never have to worry about any kind of limits. So I think right. since I'm going to be ma- like, come on, think about it. If I have five three gallon fermenters going messing around with all these recipes um i'm going to be producing you know 10 and 15 gallons of honey a month without even trying very hard i can't possibly consume Mm -hmm. all that i'm doing a shot a day and then i'm using it in recipes and food but so i got thinking i i don't want to make any smaller batches than this um it's just as much work doing a quart as it is doing this three gallon batch just about. And I, I learned more this way. So I got thinking, I'm gonna have all this excess honey. Why don't we just bottle up in, you know, two or four ounce sample bottles and stick it in an order when people order things? Oh, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. And now no limitations because the limitations on how much money you make and I'm not gonna make any money. There you go. Problem solved. And... Hopefully, I mean, I'm not doing this completely because I'm being altruistic, because I'm putting a lot of money into this. I mean, honey's expensive. You know, a lot of these other ingredients, we're getting organic and the best quality we can get. They're, they're expensive. I'm investing. Now, the equipment's not that expensive. Uh, there's a lot of time. There is a lot of cost in the honey and some of this other stuff. Um, but the hope is that more people order from the store. I mean, that's a win-win. That's what I need to happen. If I were to start giving away, you know, gallons and gallons of honey every week or every month, and we don't see an uptick in the store, I wouldn't be able to do it for long. But our tribe has been so good at responding to things like this that we are able to do it and afford it and and not lose any money. which is the goal. The, the more people we can help, the, you know, the more ways we can set this up as a win-win. So I, I think that's what we're going to try. I think, um, you know, I've got all this honey. I'm already starting to have, 
you know, storage issues of making so much of it. And we're probably going to give a ton away as Christmas <laughs> gifts. We'll bottle it up. And, um, but, but we could be looking at, you know, samples of the hot honey itself, samples of the hot sauces I'm making with all the peppers that come out of the hot honey. And some of those sauces are just incredible. And if we could pull this off that we could, you know, give out small sample bottles, you get a chance to try it. If you like it, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give out all of our recipes. I'm not going to hide any of our recipes, whatever I develop. We'll just say, here's how you do it at home. So people will get a chance to try the sample bottle, see if they like it, and then decide if they want to make it at home. That's very generous of you. Or they can just keep ordering and maybe they'll get enough samples. They won't have to make any. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody wins. If we do this right, everybody wins. Yeah. I like that. All right. Do you think we should take some calls? Because we have had people that have been holding since the minute we started. The first three calls on the board have been holding an hour and 26 minutes, an hour and 23 minutes, an hour and 17 minutes, and then 57 minutes. Uh, so we, yeah, should, we should probably take some calls. They have been very, very patient. Becky in Ohio, you're first up. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being so patient. What can we help you with today? Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was, I just did a NutriQ and I'm just wondering where to start. If you guys have like a website or something, um, I have the, I have the, um, app, but I was having trouble with it. Like it wasn't working on my phone. Yeah. Our, Um, our, our app to listen is still, you know, we are developing it so quickly uh, to try to get it out there so more people can listen that, you know, it's part of developing apps. I think our last release actually was um, was a good release in a lot of ways. But for some reason on the Android platform, we had a lot of issues. Are you on Android or Apple? I am. I'm on Android. Yeah, we have, we have far um, more problems with the Android. It's a, it's a lot more difficult programming. You know, when we program on the the Apple side, we might have one or two devices or maybe three iPhones, you know, different generations, different screen mm-hmm. size. And that's about all it takes. Um, I think the last time I talked mm-hmm. to Aaron about this, I don't know, we have like 20 Android devices to test with. So <laughs> it's just so yeah. much more difficult. So um, we are continuing to work on that. We do have a program. You can go straight to the website. Um, and at the the let's truck.com, that's our main website. You go straight to let's truck.com up at the top on the menus. You'll see a menu that says work with us. And it's, uh, there are a couple options. You can fill out the NutriQ, which you've already done. And I have your NutriQ in front of me, the team sent it over so we can talk about Mm -hmm. specifics. Then you will request a, uh, discovery call with Lauren. That's a 10 minute. Which is scheduled for Monday. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, excellent. Ah, okay, good. Well then you're all set. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about your NutriQ right now, but um, you're all set. You're going to be starting the process with Lauren on Monday many times. um, And I, I don't know, maybe this has already been explained to you. It's a 10 minute call. Lauren probably puts an average of 30 minutes to an hour into that call before you ever talk to her. 
reviewing the NutriQ, looking at your questionnaires, figuring out your diet, what medications you might be on, building a strategy. And, and the goal is you will leave that 10-minute call with an absolute plan for the next 30 days. And that plan should solve at least the biggest of your health concerns in that 30 days. A lot of people, that's all they ever do. And, and then they kind of move on from there on their own. And um, if there's more needed, if at the end of the 30 days, we've solved some problems, but not all of them, then you can schedule a one-on-one uh, -on -one consultation where you just buy as much time as you need till we solve your problems. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I got quite a few um, issues going on. Um, and, uh, I guess the most important one is stopping or my gut and the diabetes. Um, but uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Let's let's talk that. about your specific NutriQ because it's pretty telling. So almost all of our current diseases today are metabolic diseases. They are not caused by a germ or a virus or bacteria or some genetic thing that's broken in us. All of those things are pretty rare. Most of those things don't kill people anymore. We, we don't die from viruses and bacteria. We, we have ways to combat those things. And genetic diseases are actually pretty rare. Uh, and even genetic diseases, if you have a gene that we know is correlated with a certain disease, doesn't mean you're going to get it. Not everybody does, not even close. Mm -hmm. That gene has to be activated for one thing. Um, and genes are activated based on our lifestyle and our diet. So even if you have genes that may cause a problem, if we, if we get you metabolically healthy, the odds of that gene ever being activated uh, are slim to none. So we are going to focus on your metabolism. And, and we, I, we use that word wrong most of the time. We don't understand how, how big it is. We think of metabolism as, well, do you have a fast metabolism and you burn a lot of calories or do you have a slow metabolism? And then we blame that on our weight gain. Turns out we don't want a fast metabolism. A fast metabolism will kill you younger. We actually want our metabolism to slow down. A lot of the metabolic processes actually will lead to our demise at some point. So we've gotten that whole term wrong. Um, what we can see here in your NutriQ, your sugar handling is off the charts. And what that tells us, and that's common, yeah. almost everybody that comes to us, if they're eating the standard American diet, their NutriQ looks like this. That tells us that yeah. you are way too insulin resistant. And between all of the sugar in the diet and all of the insulin being released by your body, that causes all the other problems that we're seeing. The, the two things mm -hmm. Lauren is going to focus on initially will be sugar handling and digestion because the standard American diet just tears up our digestion. It's just awful what it does. But we can also look at one of your other big concerns is your kidney and bladder. And kidney disease mm -hmm. is a metabolic disease. 
virtually everybody with poor sugar handling will eventually end up with kidney disease, liver disease, heart disease. They all go together. We call it metabolic syndrome. The good news is you fix all of these things with just one intervention, just a very low-carb diet, whether it's keto, carnivore, you know, we, we want it to be paleo-based and the highest quality we can get. But in the beginning, we don't even really push too hard on that. Uh, in the beginning, all somebody needs to do is eat really, really low carb and their metabolism starts to heal. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I stopped, um, yeah, I stopped most of the, the eating of sugar and... Um, don't forget starch. Don't forget starch. Okay. Starch is sugar to Potatoes. your body. Right. Okay. Anything high in carbohydrates. That's the easiest way to put it. And carbohydrates are either on a label. If our food has labels, we'd rather eat a lot of food that doesn't have labels. But we can always go look it up. For the most part, it's why we we promote the carnivore diet heavily eating a lot of animal products, meat, fish, eggs, cheese, dairy. Those things are very, very low or zero carb. So it is impossible to eat too many carbs if 90% of your diet or more is animal products. You just won't be able to consume too many carbs. They're just not there. If we start getting into plants, well, now we have to be careful. Some plants are very high in carbohydrates. Yeah, and, and now it gets confusing. What can I? And then we talk about these plants that have defenses in there that, that harm our health. So the longer we do this, the more we keep leaning on very um, high animal product consumption in the diet. That they, every year, six months, we, we move more and more in that direction because we keep getting better and better results. And as crazy as it sounds, eating nothing but animal products, if you could do it, it's really hard. I've tried it. I, I miss the crunch of some things and I miss like sauces. And But if you ate nothing but animal products, you'd heal faster than anything. We, we've How many times have we seen this now, Lauren? I know, but Kevin, there's one thing that I, I want to explain to Becky as well. So looking at your NutriQ results here, um, so the way that we read these results, this bar graph that we sent you, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but it's blue and white and we read it from left to right because we can't address anything on the right hand side until we've addressed everything on the left hand to, you know, to the left of it. So where you see kidney and bladder is the second to last thing. When we work on Monday together, we're not going to, we're not going to be discussing kidney and bladder. Good point. We're going to be discussing the things on the on the left hand side because, like Kevin's saying, he's absolutely right. You, like a, a very high uh, protein, high fat diet is going to be great for you. But I can tell you what: if you start that right now, you're not going to feel very good because mm-hmm. you are not able to currently digest your proteins and your fats properly to absorb those nutrients. So those are going to run right through your body, and you're not going to feel good. You're not going to be getting the nutrients from them and you're not going to be able to digest them properly, which is why we always start with digestion first. So 
Your upper GI, we're going to have to work on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say very well explained. And I I just want to jump in and kind of add to that. Um, Now Lauren's getting into the details about how we're going to fix this and what we're going to fix. We always still come back to if we focus on digestion, what that and Lauren started to explain this, what she's focusing on is make sure your body's prepared to digest these foods. And and it's not because you haven't been eating them. This hasn't been the primary part, but we can also come back to just so you see how simple all of this can really be with a little bit of guidance you're you're going to be amazed lauren are there any animal products we ever talk about that really have a negative impact on digestion other than maybe your stomach acid isn't strong enough or your gallbladder isn't working well enough but once somebody's digestion system is healthy are there any animal products we avoid because of digestion Maybe dairy. No, not a. Maybe some milk or dairy for some people. But how yeah. many plant Individual. foods do we have to avoid because they they wreak havoc with our digestion? Yeah, they could. They could. Not for everybody, but they absolutely can. And looking at where your small intestines are, which is very very high off the chart as well, leads me to think that you probably have some dysbiosis. Um, you know, potentially um, like a small intestinal dysbiosis. So that's something that that we'll have to work on. Uh, But I can see that you most likely want to come back after doing a one-month protocol that we recommend and work one-on-one, depending on on how much this bar graph drops into the low priority. But because you have a few things that are so high priority, we're going to work on them. But like I said, you have to start with the basics. You have to start with the, you know, the pillars of digestion and then move your way, you know, down. Um, But there are definitely, you know, there's plenty to work on for you to see, you know, benefits right away. That's the good news. Awesome. Yeah, I was listening to um, the one program about... um, uh, how insulin, too much insulin in the body affects, like, everything else. And yeah. I'm wondering, like, if I'm taking insulin um, externally, should I keep doing that for now? That, Just keep the diabetes in control? or That is something that, because you're taking insulin, that's something that you're going to have to work I would recommend that you tell your doctor ahead of time before making any drastic changes in your diet to let them know I'm going to be limiting and really decreasing the amount of, of, you know, sugars in my diet. So we're going to, they're going to have to monitor you and make sure that, that they're adjusting your insulin as you're coming off that, you know, you're not going to need as much of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. um, I'm, I'm on a sliding scale. So it's like, um, whatever, whatever my sugar is at the moment is what I treat. Yeah. You know, it, I it, it, and that's common. And that's part of the problem where we're, the, the medical okay. system has never addressed the root cause of your problem, which is too many carbohydrates in the diet, which causes too much insulin to be released, which over decades has made you insulin resistant 
So now your body can't even produce enough insulin. We have to give it to you externally, which means we're, make, we're creating even more damage. Insulin in small amounts is an incredible hormone in our body. We call it the master hormone. Insulin in large amounts will kill you slowly over time. So it's both high blood sugar and high insulin that's causing all the damage. Um, so the, the, the problem can sound really complicated when we start diving into liver and kidney and all these other things. The answer is really simple. We stop putting carbohydrates in your body. Your body stops producing so much insulin. At some point, you become insulin sensitive again, and you will stop taking insulin or metformin or any diabetic drugs. That's our goal. We will get you off all of the diabetic medications, and you won't be diabetic anymore. And we've done it thousands and thousands of times. It never fails ever if somebody complies it always works i was yeah i'm like freaking out so (laughs) yeah and i understand i'm glad you're freaking out i wish more people would freak out (laughs) instead of acting like this is somehow normal it's not Mm -hmm. it's becoming common but it's not normal i wish people would freak out because that's when they'll change things. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of sad I got this far and, 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 you know, at all. But um, I guess when people are telling you to do one thing and oh, you need to a, do another. A, absolutely. Yeah, I, I understand why people end up in this situation. What I have a hard time understanding is once it's been explained to them why they won't even try it. That, that makes me sad. You know, when, they, when they're finally exposed to another way of doing it, and at that point, they don't know if it's right or not. I get that. There's a lot of advice out there, and a lot of it's bad. But there is so much evidence. There are so many doctors now that are finally getting on board with this, and it works Every single time. Cool. Yeah. I, I've also got like a couple of books, like um, this one is called Stopping Kidney Disease. And he talks about um, kind of um, adding exercise and eliminating the load on your, on your kidneys. Um, and he talks about like... Um, more advanced stages of kidney disease. And then he starts talking um, about I'm, reducing protein, doesn't he? Correct. Yeah. 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 Burn that book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sending it back to get my money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah. Get, get your money back and go buy a good book from a very highly respected kidney doctor, a nephrologist, by all of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jason Fung is a nephrologist. That's a kidney doctor. He wrote um, The Diabetes Code. Read that one. It's an excellent book. He wrote The Obesity Code. Excellent book. He wrote The Cancer Code, one of the best books I've read on cancer. You know what he didn't write? He didn't write a book on kidney disease. He's a nephrologist. Ah. 
Do you know why he didn't write a book about kidney disease? Probably because everybody's saying the opposite of what he's... uh, You're right. um, That's part of it. He, He will not tell you. Now, once you get to advanced kidney disease, you may have to cut back on protein. We want to make sure you don't get there. We want to solve it before that happens, because if you get there and you have to cut back on protein, that makes fixing things even harder. So we don't want you to get you there. As a kidney doctor, he didn't write a book on kidney disease because the kidney disease is not the root cause of your problem. So there's no point in addressing it. Even Lauren just told you, we're not going to address your kidneys. We don't need to. When we address your sugar handling problem, the kidneys will heal themselves. Yep, that's exactly right. Makes sense. So you should send that book back, get a refund, and buy buy uh, buy the diabetes code. If you're going to read one first, read the diabetes code. Excellent book. He writes in a really really simple manner for a doctor. So easy to understand what he's saying. Awesome. I will do that. Yep. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to explain all this to me. I've, I've listened to a couple of episodes of the podcast, but um, like I haven't gotten into everything so far, but um, I appreciate that very much. You are welcome. You are welcome. And, and listen to, at you know, clearly, you know, Tuesdays are all about diesel engines and Fridays are all about technology and trucking and fuel efficiency. And, um, but the Wednesday is always about health. So listen to all the Wednesday episodes, Monday and Thursday, a a lot of that content will be health, but it's kind of a weird show. Sometimes you might tune in on a Monday and a Thursday Mm -hmm. and you'll hear one call about uh, somebody's oil consumption and we're talking about piston rings. In the next call, we're talking about somebody who just had their gallbladder removed and what a bad idea that was. And then in the next call, we're talking about cryptocurrency and retirement accounts. And so Mondays and Thursdays are kind of all over the board, but you'll get a lot of health in there too. Awesome. Awesome. I will tune in. Are you a member of healthytribe.com? I am. I was having Excellent. issues with with money, so I I was I'll figure it out. But, call our um, call our tribe care team. We have an awesome team that'll help you. They'll get you fixed up. Um, how, I'm curious. How did you find us? Um, a friend of mine named uh, Mike Magic Mike. Excellent. Excellent. I love the yeah. fact when that our tribe members are spreading the word and bringing in new tribe members. It's kind of like a cult, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're kind of cult like, yeah. We're a fun cult though. <laughs> well, I know it's your your world, so I'm getting That's right. I'm thankful for the introduction. Good. Good. All right. So um Lauren, are you looking forward to this on Monday now? I absolutely am. We're gonna you're gonna come away with a full protocol to get you started, okay? Alrighty. All right. Anything else, I'm Becky? Um, I don't think so. You covered it very well. Good. I appreciate it. Good. Um, we will look right. forward to Talk a to follow-up at some point. When, yeah. when you start Lauren's protocol, um, within a week, 
I want you to call me and tell me how much better you're feeling. All right. And then at the end of the month, we'll do another follow-up and we'll find out how, and we'll compare your two Nutri-Qs and you are going to be shocked at the difference. Okay. All right. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you for being a good sport. Let's, uh, let's get to some calls because they are piling up. We're going to go to Texas. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What can we help you with today? Can you hear me? Yep. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I got a comment, a couple questions. Uh, first, hey, I'm so glad I didn't get vaccinated. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, you're open. <laughs> you know the best part of, of being an anti-vaxxer today? <laughs> I identify as vaccinated, but go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the best part about being, <laughs> being unvaxxed today is... Um, no myocarditis, no strokes. It's a wonderful thing. Right. Right. Yep. And it was just a principled stand for me. It was just, you know, so. Good. But, uh, and that that last caller, you know, I'm, you and Lauren were going back to the basics about starting with, you know, digestion and stuff. And that, that um, reminded me, you know, when I've, I've been listening about two years and I started on the Apple podcast on the audio road and then that was before i bought the serious subscription and then now you have the app but what <laughs> right. happened to all that archived information for you know uh, from like 2015 on or maybe it was 2016 because they're gone now you can't go to the apple podcast and you can't go to the audio road and listen Nope, um, it's all gone. Okay, so, you know, I don't get stumped very often on my show, but it's it always seems to be stuff that I should know because it's like our stuff. Uh, but I'm stumped on this one. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask Aaron because um, we do have material everywhere, and I lose track of what's where. Um, if Aaron is listening, let me check with him right now. Um if he's listening, he should be able to help us with this. I have a feeling that content is somewhere. I, I don't think we could have yeah. lost it all. Well, it 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 was there, and I was working my way through it um, because I not only do you know I have an older truck too, and that's where all the you know there's just a wealth of information there that is gone now we'll we'll but. see maybe where that is and and if on the off chance that it's actually gone we are are putting in a lot of hours anymore recreating a lot of stuff i mean i'm starting to average two to three hours every day now with no breaks I know. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, a lot of content. So, but I, I have a feeling it's still there somewhere. We'll we'll find. Uh, Aaron hasn't okay. answered me yet, so he might be busy at the moment. But we'll get an answer for you. Okay. Well, that was on the actual Apple phone, Apple podcast, the little purple button. That's where it was at. Yeah, I I, but, I remember okay. it was there for years. We we started doing that podcast back in 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, my, my main question was, I, you know, obviously I haven't been as active as, as I am on the trucking side of stuff, but I heard like two months ago or, or so that, um, 
a guy had called in and said that uh, that his Instapot Max. Uh, so I'm looking for. Uh, have y'all narrowed it down to the one device that you would recommend to carry on a truck? Because I've been trying to navigate their website and it there's so many models and this so, and that. Yeah, let, let me try to address that. So between a couple companies, um, Ninja and Instant Pot. I, I would at least stick with those two brands. Um, trying to, for me to go in and say, this is the one, which I've done a couple times, doesn't work because a month later, there's a new one. And many times I, I like some new feature that they just added to the newest one. So what I say is you're going to have to do a little bit of homework yourself. You're going to have to look through the models and think about the functions that they have and which functions you're more likely to use on the truck. And then just pick the one that seems well, to match what, what you're going to do. Are you going to do a lot of air frying? Then make sure your device has an air fryer function. If you're going to do a lot of pressure cooking, uh, make sure that it you know it's a good pressure cooker. But for the most part, all of the ninjas and all of the instant pots I've looked at, I I would have at least one of those in the truck. And no matter which one it was, you're not going to regret it. I mean, you may look at another model and go, oh, well, I'd really like to have that feature. Um, but then next month they may come out with something with another feature. So it, it, we're always going to have this, this kind of a struggle. The other thing, if you are in healthytribe.com, Post the question up there and just ask people yeah. to give you their feedback. What what are they using on the yeah, road and, okay. and you know why and what do they like about it and you know get a get a conversation going and you know post it multiple times. You know, get people involved and yeah. but like I say, I, I could take all of the models of the ninja kind of multi cookers and I could, you know, put them on a dartboard and throw a dart and I wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I thought about posting that question on the tribe first, but then I thought, well, maybe I'll just call because uh, I guess the max is where you have individual, uh, where you can set it within a degree. And for the yogurt, I guess it, it's the only that, one that will go up to 15 PSI of true pressure canning. But, and I suck at cooking and grocery shopping and I'm wanting to, kind of take control of my health and I live so, in an RV and spaces got it. on both got, the truck well, and then home. I'm glad yeah. you called because that does help me a little bit. I didn't even realize there was one that was a, could be used as a pressure canner. They almost all of them can be used as a pressure cooker, which is different. But if there's one that does achieve 10 <laughs> to 15 degrees of pressure and it is rated as a pressure canner, that's the one I would get, absolutely. If that one also has the precise temperature control for yogurt, well, then I'm probably going to go order one when I get off the air. Well, I'm gonna, I was about to order it right now, and that's the only difference. I, the Pro has some nice features, and now there's a smart one, but it only goes up to 12 PSI. And I guess the Max had an extra temperature sensor in the lid as well as one in the bottom which allowed for like the most precise cooking possible yeah and so, so I, I just thought i'd call yeah i'm glad you did i don't yeah. need 
that device because I use sous vide for yogurt, which is awesome because I'm at home. I have multiple pressure cookers and pressure canners. So, but I'm going to buy it just because I, that's such a cool device. I want to try it out and then I can recommend it to people. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to do. And it's the max. And it's actually not on their stupid website. You, so it's on Amazon and <laughs> yeah. So it, you here, know? here's the cool thing. Ha, have you looked into pressure canning at all? Well, so I would have to buy, uh, I, like in my RV, I have a, 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 a a lid that goes over the stove, it doesn't open up high enough to have one of those like American. Yeah. Right. So I'd have to buy some right. kind of like volcano stove and set up propane outside. And oh and yeah. That. No, this, if this pressure cans, even if it only does, you know, three pints or, or whatever, if you know, whatever you can get in. It'll there. do the, so the, 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 this one only con the max only comes in a six quart and it says it will take four 16 ounce jars at a time to pressure can that's fine um you know so you just do more batches more often but i have said the absolute best way for somebody to improve their health is to learn how to pressure can it makes eating really yeah. high quality food so much easier and on the road it is absolutely the best thing you could do so yeah you you should order this thing immediately Okay, yeah, because I don't have hotel power in my truck. I've got an older 379, and so, you know, I'm just trying to figure this all out. It's a real challenge. Yeah, yeah, it is, but you're, <laughs> you, there There are solutions. Um, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money, but it is worth every penny. When you can start pressure canning, you create your own recipes, you create your own meals, you've got a meal in a jar. Um, it, it makes eating this way so much easier. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order as soon as I hang up with you. Excellent. All right. So, um, yep. I really appreciate everything that y'all do and, and happy Thanksgiving to you and Lauren both. You're welcome. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let's go to Missouri. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hola. Bon dia, Kevin and Lauren. What's on your mind today? Hello. So I wanted to give you a little testimonial here about a couple of your products. So I'm a 59-year-old Portuguese man. A few years ago, I weighed 215 pounds, and I started following you. I got down to 185. Nice. Keto, feeling good. Awesome. I was going on a hunting trip with some younger guys, and I thought, I got to do a little bit better. <laughs> so I ordered your Cardio Miracle, right? Yes. I ordered your Cardio Miracle, and I ordered the... Monkey brittle. And oh. I'll have to say that the only negative thing about the monkey brittle is I lacked the ability to stop, not eat the whole bag in one day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's that is just, a, that is that a, stuff is amazing. That is a true test of willpower. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So the cardio miracle, I thought I've got to do better because I'm going hunting in the mountains of Wyoming, eight, 9,000 feet, riding horses all day long, hunting with some young guys. So I went from keto to nearly 100% carnivore. Awesome. And was taking the, was taking the cardio miracle as prescribed. 
I dropped 13 pounds in seven weeks. We got down to 172. Wow. A cardio miracle. That cardio miracle saved my bacon. That stuff is absolutely amazing. I was out walking my 35-year-old son-in-law. Isn't that awesome? Don't you just love yeah. that? For those, for those people that are skeptical, even in the least bit about following what you say, I say to them, just give it a try. After going nearly 100% carnivore, I had felt better than I did when I was eating keto. And when I came home, I went back. You know, I kind of fell off the wagon on the yeah. trip and went yeah. back to eating some things that I normally don't eat. And I put back six pounds and I could feel the inflammation coming back. So I, I've got to get back to that. Yeah. Nearly 100% carnivore because it is just, it's the way to go. It really is. You know, I, I say that that I can't eat, you know, true carnivore. Most people have a very hard time. But the closer I eat to true carnivore, the better I feel. It, it is It is just, there. there is a direct correlation. I do the same thing. If I need to perform for some reason, I get stricter on the carnivore, and within days, I can feel the difference. Uh, the only reason I stray from it is I just love variety in my food. And, and, but I know that if I want to feel better and if I want to be as healthy as possible, more animal products is, is what does it every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, I have a question about fibromyalgia. And I'll give you a little bit of history here. My 80 year old mother, who has been taking a PPI for as long as I can remember, and suffers from inflammation of all kinds. Yep. Standard American diet, standard American doctor, just dumped her doctor who was pushing her pills. She was on four different meds a day. She dumped him, went to a new guy who's more on the nutritional side, but um, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. She's double vaxxed, double boosted, and I want to know what I can do to help her through this. So... Because of the vaccine being a part of this, if if she had just developed fibromyalgia and she wasn't vaccinated, I would say, let's just do a, uh, a discovery call with her and probably a one-on-one. -on -one. The first thing I would ask you, though, before we waste anybody's time and money, is, is she open to making a radical change in her diet? Do you think that's something she might try? I, I believe so because I had a long conversation with her okay, the other day good. about changing her diet, and she she's coming so, to my house to, uh, in a couple of days, and we're we're going excellent. to address the diet. Excellent. So here's what I would recommend: skip the one-on-one -on -one with us or the discovery call, because we have not put a lot of work into trying to counter or offset the problems with the vaccine. But there is a doctor who has. Uh, it's Dr. Wolfson. He can absolutely help you with all the same diet stuff we can help you with. And he can address the possibility that the vaccine is causing some of these issues and he has protocols for it. So rather than work with us on food right. and him on something else, I, I'd just rather see you go, you know, 
If, if you talk to her and she's open, buy her a consult with Dr. Wolfson. Okay. Yeah, but if not, if not, and you wanted to just, you know, try something, I know that fibromyalgia is an, infl- an inflammatory condition, and it's, there's like digestive imbalances there. Yep. And if she was on a PPI for such a long time, the first thing that I can guarantee you we have to address is her digestive system. So okay. she's probably not, not breaking down food properly and definitely not absorbing nutrients properly. And magnesium deficiency goes hand in hand with fibromyalgia. And we know that if you, um, you know, on a PPI, you're going to be severely deficient in magnesium. All good so points. Okay. We could yep. potentially get her started yeah. on, in the right direction, you know, for free. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, getting to the absolute root of the fibromyalgia, then, yeah, I would recommend, uh, you know, Kevin's recommendation as well. But yeah, both of if those approaches somewhere and just have yeah. a conversation. It, but yeah. I'm glad you jumped in and said that, Lauren. Both of those approaches would be good. You you could work with Lauren for, you know, the first 30 to 60 days with the discovery call and, and some one-on-one time. And for a very mm-hmm. low cost, we may solve 90% of this. And then, then if we exactly. determine there are some things in there that may be vaccine-related because fibromyalgia involves the immune system as well, um, and this vaccine really wreaks havoc with the immune system. Well, then maybe we hand you off to Dr. Wolfson at that point, and he helps with the last 10%. So either way could work really well. You would end up spending less money overall if you started with us. Might take a little longer, yeah, right. but, so we, but yeah, not much, really. Right. So if we go, if I can get her to go online, do the NutriQ, and then schedule the uh, discovery call. Discovery call with Lauren. Right. Okay, that'd be great. And a, this is all great. It's all great information. A lot of the same points that I brought up during my conversation with my mom about uh, the uh, the immune system, the digestion, everything. Right. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. That that's great. And in case you were wondering, the Ola Bombia, that's Portuguese. I'm sure that Lauren knows that. So. I I, yeah. I didn't catch it. You you broke up right at the beginning of that word, so I, I didn't question it because I didn't hear it. I'm glad you brought that back up. Um, my wife is uh, Portuguese. Uh, actually, Portuguese oh, and that. Scottish, which is an odd combination, and I'm almost pure Scottish, but <laughs> her, her mom was Portuguese, uh, and her father was Scottish, oh. and uh, yeah, so... Um, pretty familiar with the Portuguese culture and food. And um, I, I hadn't heard that term, though. So thank you for that. There you go. <laughs> See. Have, have a great day. Thank you so much. <laughs> you too. Thanks for the Absolutely. call. Absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, my superpowers are not foreign languages. Foreign languages, for some reason, <laughs> intimidate the hell out of me. I don't get it. I, I think it might be because I, I do kind of look at my superpower as the American language, the English language. I speak, I talk, I love to talk rather than write. And to, to think about trying to speak in a language I don't understand terrifies me. Like, 
no, I'm not going to do that. This is this is what I do. I'm a communicator. And if I have to stumble through some other language, that just it sounds awful to me. I'd love to master another language, but yeah, probably not. Um, let's get on to some more calls because they're still piling up. I love this. Let's go to Wisconsin. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I watched that documentary. I actually had to watch it twice. And, uh, you know, I, uh, as you know, I was in the medical business. Uh, I actually did participate in doing autopsies. So I'm, I'm aware of all this stuff. And um, I got to say, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I don't know what to say. I, it's I know. hard to believe that this, inf- this information is out there. And the question that you had is you want, you know, is it believable? Well, here's what I could tell you. Uh, three quarters of it is for surely believable. The part about where they get into the, you know, reduction of population and that, uh, you know, that could be another argument. But as far as all that other stuff, it would make perfectly good sense that the morticians, the embalmers would find this out uh because you know a lot of those bodies weren't getting um, right uh, you know autopsy I, I, and, yeah. and so it 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 makes it makes that makes complete sense and uh, and again the credibility of the doctors and the people in there um, that's all stuff you can go and check and check I, their resume and who I they know. are it, it I, checked out and and look if you know? if they turn out to be wrong whether it was faked or not, maybe they just, you know, are looking at things wrong. Even if they just turn out to be wrong and nobody can prove that it was some sort of a hoax and they faked it, their career's over. If they find out that it's a hoax and they did it on purpose, holy cow, our government today might prosecute them for something. So they're taking a huge risk doing this either way. Yeah, I don't really think that that's a hoax. Um, you know, just like I said, I've I've been in those rooms. I've participated. Have, I've opened up bodies. I know what that's like. Have you ever so, seen anything like what they were showing? Uh, never. Yeah, never. And, uh, you know, the thing in an autopsy that you have to understand, so they open up the cavity, they pull out the organs, uh, so there's a doctor there, there's Willie's there, and then there's assistants there. So every organ is weighed, and then they inspect every organ. You know, they basically, I mean, <laughs> hate to put it more bluntly, they take a big butcher knife and they cut up every organ like they're slicing a roast. And um, just to see, the, you know, what was going on and, and uh, see the health of that particular organ. And uh, and they do that with everything. Well, other than the eyes, they do take ocular. You know, they do take uh, you know fluid samples yeah. out of there. But yeah. Um, so but other than that, I mean, you would you would be surprised. You know, you pull the brain apart, cut up the brain. I mean, there's things that visibly maybe you can't see until you cut open the brain, and then boom, there's the cause of death. Getting back to uh, you had talked about the. Um, the uh, consistency in some of those people, how they would collapse. So uh, again, in my line of work, what I used to do, um, 
that that typically would lead me to stroke type scenarios. You know, if someone has a cardiac event, loss of cardiac output, they usually drop. You know, you get you get a low. You know, when you have no cardiac output, no flow to the brain. I mean, it's pretty much instantaneous. And those people didn't have that. There was a couple that did. Right. But for the most part, you looked at them and they were all consistent. So that's pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, as far as, well, here's the other thing that's interesting. So today uh, you look in some of the local headlines. First off, I don't know if you go and Google this. I, I don't even think you can find it on Google. I think you have to go to DuckDuckGo or somebody else to find it. And then if you do Google it, you'll see a lot of uh, newspapers, reports coming out against this and calling it false and all this stuff. So usually when that happens from, you know, that side of the, uh, you know, uh, political, that usually tells you that they're probably onto something with this. Yeah. the The biggest thing is this be it right or wrong. The people at the CDC, how come they do not want to know exactly. if this is real or not? Because they know it's real. I, they know that it's real. You know, I'm I'm 90% convinced that it's real. But I'm also willing to keep an open mind if somebody has some other explanation. Clearly, something has changed. Something has gone wrong. People are dying in ways and numbers that they've never died before. That, that's kind of been established. That's, that's a fact. There is no fact about what's causing it yet. I, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of correlation. And I'm about 90% convinced that it is the vaccine. And, but I'm, I'm still willing to yeah, say, you know, look, prove me wrong. I, I want you to prove me wrong. I'm hoping that this isn't true. Well, God help us all if it, if it is true. Exactly. Because, uh, I mean, they, in my opinion, I, you know, from listening and studying this and what I, they've known about this. And then, you know, what's funny is that, you know, as humans, we're very, uh, you know, very, you know, things in our mind we forget, right? Real quick about yeah. things that happen, right? So you go back and you look at how did they sell this in the beginning? They were giving things away. They were they doing still this, are. that, and the other thing. I just, I just watched last right. night. So, they, they are still so why, try, why, trying to bribe kids. They, They're paying people to get the vaccine. Right. And when does that ever make any sense? Never. Never. You would, you would never do that. The other interesting thing that came out of that program was when they talk about VIRS. So, okay, so that VIRS data, uh, you know, the reporting is, you know, maybe 1% on the low end, maybe 10 on the high. But even if you go on the high end, those numbers are huge numbers. But that, don't, that only extrapolates out to maybe four, five, six months after injection. After that, there's no record right. of that. Right. So, but the num- the number you have to go by is the uh, what is it? Uh, Thirty, forty percent increase in mortality between eighteen and sixty year olds. Exactly. That's the number you have to look at. And and do you know That's what? The number. If you look historically, 
all-cause mortality, do you know how much it normally moves in a year or so? About 1%. Virtually, yeah, virtually it doesn't. It's very, very It's been stable for decades. It it changes about 1% here and there, maybe. So just that fact alone... Uh, I, I can't believe this isn't all headline news. And, and then you have to start thinking it's not headline news because they don't want it to be. No, no. And now, you know, now we can get in the conspiracy. And, you know, so they showed, you know, Gates and a few others talking about population control. And, you know, and that goes back. You know, look at how far they went back into the 70s, right? 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s. Um, so the, the interesting thing about population control is that they have Gates on tape talking about, you know, he's always been for vaccinations. And then what did, what did he say? You know, if we can vaccinate all these people and give them good health, we can decrease the population. Does that, <laughs> does that statement even make any no. sense? No, it's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. What the hell is he talking about? It would be the... It, it would be the opposite. Yeah. If we help people become more There should healthy, be more people. Then we can in- correct. One of He's the, just the opposite. One of the first things that happens when you start getting unhealthy, well, it's not one of the first, but it's a big one, and we know it happens, um, you start to lose reproductive health pretty quickly, both men and women. That we know sperm count and sperm quality has gone down. Testosterone has gone down. Um, women with not being able to conceive is much more common now. Polycystic, what, what is that one, Lauren? O- ovarian syndrome? Polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Yeah, um, that's rampant. And, and once you've got that, it becomes very hard to conceive. Most people find mm-hmm. that when they start getting healthier, their sex drive goes way up. It, that's because it's well, one exactly. of the most important things we do as a species is reproduce. Right. Probably the most important right. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really. Well, it, right. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, and I just, I actually, uh, this kind of hit home a little bit. I know somebody that uh, whose brother had cancer, they fought it and, you know, he got to ring the bell and, you know, and then literally <laughs> a month later he was dead. Oh, so, it, and I don't think you, well, I, 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 I think you, the way I heard you say this was a little bit different. Uh, but what they said in that program was, it's not just people that never had cancer and then all of a sudden showed up with stage four. It was people that had had cancer that were supposedly in remission or quote unquote cured that all of a sudden they go in and they're on death's door. And this particular person that I knew, that was his case. So, uh, and again, it's, it, <laughs> I, I just, at this point, I think I know what the truth is. Um, and I really don't think that they want us to know that. And the other thing they don't want us to know <laughs> is the origin. Because guess what? <laughs> We're behind it. Yeah. Yeah, we funded it. 
We funded it, yes, I'm afraid. Our country is right. behind it. Right. I mean, why on earth would you want not want to know, hey, how'd this happen? Where'd this come from? Well, we don't. We, that's not really important. Really? <laughs> right. It's not important. It, uh, no, it's <laughs> really, really <laughs> important. Here's the, here's the, here's the, the, the $64,000 question. Was COVID created to create the uh, evolution of this vaccine? Maybe. Is, is that why COVID was created? So, so here's one and of the on things its that... Own, on its own. Yeah, here's one of the things that I do. Uh, let's not even go down the road of population control and why they might want to do that, which in some ways is bizarre to me after reading the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, because their whole point is if we don't increase the population, we're going to suffer. And now instead we're going to decrease the population? Maybe that's why his predictions Kevin, go, might come true. But let's just forget go, all of go that. Go back and For, look at... Hold on. Let, let's forget all the complicated black helicopter, tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff. Maybe it's just a money grab. Maybe it's just that well, simple. Uh, so you create a disease well, that, that isn't horribly deadly. It kills a lot of old people maybe a couple months early. And you scare the hell out of everybody. You already have this mRNA technology you've just been dying to do something with. Oh, let's make a vaccine with it. And look at the amount of money that has been generated and continues to be generated over the vaccine alone. Maybe the whole thing is planned and it was just a money grab. Well, okay, but that mRNA technology has from day one, it's never worked out. It has so many side effects. And, is, and, we, and go back and look at all the trials that they ran beyond COVID. I know. They tried this in other, in other vaccines. They're, they're working. died. Massive death. They're working on a flu vaccine now. mRNA. And, and, why, <laughs> and why do you think that is? Uh, because I, mean, it, 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 I, I, I think it, it makes a lot of money. I mean, if we just stick with that, we can prove that. I can't prove they're actually trying to depopulate well, the planet. We can prove they made an awful no. lot of money. Right, and that's where that documentary, like I said, three quarters of it or maybe more, I mean, is I think spot on. As far as uh, population control, okay, prove it. Let's let's yeah. Let's prove that. That's that's what's going on. Uh, But uh, the one thing we know for sure is that technology, we know, first off, that it does enter your DNA. They said that it didn't enter our DNA. We know that it does. They said that that spike protein leaves the body after a certain amount of time. No, it doesn't. People that are being tested, people to this day are still testing and showing spike protein when they... the spike protein doesn't leave. And in nutrition, what do we know about proteins in the body? What do they cause? Extreme inflammation. That's just, that's not, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on. So you can say, well, it is a money grab. And okay, that would be the, the easiest explanation of it. But 
You're telling me these scientists don't know this? How do we know it? And they don't know it? You know, they know it. I am. I am all of a sudden after two decades or however long Twitter has been around. It's been around a while now. um, I am now a, a Twitter fan. I am having a, a lot of fun on Twitter, and I am also really encouraged by how many doctors and nutritionists and practitioners are speaking out on Twitter right now, and they're allowed to. They're being allowed to say and post almost anything they want about the vaccine, about health, about fat, about you know the, the standard American diet, and it's really refreshing and i'm finding a lot of new people that you know maybe they haven't written a book or or maybe they have and i missed it but they're out there and they're doing a lot of good work i am really encouraging people no matter what you think about twitter go check it out again it this is this this week twitter is not the same as it was a week ago that's how fast things are changing over there well, like I said, go go Google uh, that video. See if you can find it on Google. I don't. I I tried uh, yesterday. I which, couldn't find it on Google. Which video? I, I, the uh, one we're talking Died about. Suddenly. About, uh, the sudden fall. Yeah. Oh, the the only, the only thing that will pop up is yeah. The only thing that will pop up is. Uh, of arguments of newspaper clippings, Forbes uh, magazine did a, a a review on it, saying it was false. Yeah, That's the only they, thing you're seeing coming and, up on. Google. And I've read those articles; they don't offer any proof. They Correct. just say it's false, and we're expected to believe them. Well, give me some proof, yeah. some evidence, something. Just you saying it? I don't trust any of these journalists or media outlets anymore. So I, I'm willing to keep an open oh, yeah, mind, yeah, but yeah. you're going to have to show me some proof. You just can't tell me, oh, well, it's false. <laughs> well, prove it. So, Kevin, here's the interesting thing. So you look at the premise on how this uh, video, this documentary was done. How did they, I mean... It was down the road, and it was like second and third hand. It was the people doing embalming on these bodies, getting right. them ready for visitation and burial. Right. That's who found this. It wasn't like some guy in his backyard found Wait, it. I mean, and, so and, that's, the in, and, that's the interesting right, thing about you're, it. You're right. It, it's what not some, what do, it's what not some they, crazy blogger. What did they gain out of it? Right. But here's who it right? should have been. It should have been the CDC that discovered this. Well, they know it. They know it. I can't. I mean, again, you can't prove that. But uh, denial uh, is not proof of innocence. That's either, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Hey, so, Tim. Great, great, they, great stuff. I, I am going to cut you off. I'm watching the clock, and the calls are piling up again, which is awesome. But. I do have to keep moving on. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? You got being on hold that long. You got me so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> that's what, that's what <laughs> keeps happening. So every call keeps going longer and longer. And without breaks, I sometimes get so wrapped up in each call that I realize, holy cow, we've been on this one for 20 minutes. Yeah, the first thing is uh, 
is about like watching my, my the the thing with uh, blood clots. My sister in law just went through that, and she was vaccinated. You know, she was one of the ones like wouldn't the, I couldn't see go see my brother. You're not vaccinated. You know, those still silly shit. Yeah, just yeah. you know. So I stayed away from you. Can't you can't you know what I mean? So she she long story short she gets they had to take one of the kids out. She had kidney oh, cancer, and then she started getting these blood clots. They took her kidney out, and then not even a month later, they had to go in and, t- and go into her legs, the veins of her legs, and, and, and clean, her, clean them out for clots. Something Again, is she so, was vaccinated, boosted, and all so wrong with this. You know, we mentioned the fact that celebrities and, and professional athletes are a tiny, tiny, tiny minority of the population, and yet there is story after story after story. The other thing I'm noticing is when you talk to everyday people, everybody has a story like this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just unreal. And we, I, we, you know, like I said, I tried tell, teaching them and telling them. It's like, we had an employee who got vaccinated and had a mini stroke. I, everybody seems to have a story. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. I had, um, the other thing too, is like you say, you watch a 600 pound uh, life. Ooh. I sit and yell at the thing. And, and again, I get it. These people have certain, some have mental issues. Let me tell you something. I can run that thing. I was, my parents were divorced. I was seven years old. My grandfather died next year. I mean, there's all right. the things that they're sitting right. there saying why he crammed their pie hole. I right. dealt with. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, you know, it, so it's like, you know, no, just stop eating. And the ones that really, I, I like the ones that really try and you see it, you know, when they, they, they do it, they realize what they just, they still, they're not, when I watch, oh, they, right away they go to caloric intake. I know. That's my beef with that. <laughs> I know. You know and, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and my only, my only medical knowledge is to listen to some guy on the radio that used to drive a truck. That's, that's where my medical knowledge comes from. <sighs> Isn't that just, <laughs> I, it, I, look, I, I love what I do every day. I've loved, I'd love the business we've built around it. I love the tribe we've built around it. It is providing me with a, a, a comfortable life that I love. And, uh, but I, I, I am still shocked that I'm the guy with these answers. But there is something so wrong with that. Again, you know, it's about, you know, listening and having an open mind. And a lot of these people don't, you know, they don't, they, they just think the doctors are God. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't get it, man. I, I, I don't, I, I know. Uh, and it just, it, you know, it feels like, and maybe I'm just so wrapped up in all this. It feels like something's coming to a head with the whole COVID, the vaccine, what we're finding out, you know, all of the, here's the crazy thing. If we talk about COVID and the vaccine and how it has changed our world, all we would have to do. If I could wave the magic wand, if we could go back to 2018, give us two years, and we could actually help people get metabolically healthy, none of this would have happened. No, yeah, yeah. None of this would have happened. COVID would barely be a blip on the radar if if it even made it to the radar. We might just think, oh, well, people, you know, 
there's a new flu going around or a new version of the cold and people get sick and then they're okay. We would have never needed a vaccine. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't be talking about all of this stuff that changed our whole world if people were just metabolically healthy. Yeah, you know it is too. Because I think I'm so glad I didn't get back because I'm, you hear all this stuff and it's like I, I don't see how no, and like you keep saying, nobody's been like, what? Why can't we see this? What? What, what if? Well, what how can this just be? You what, know what if? I mean? What if? And this terrifies me. What if we can't reverse the damage that's been done by the vaccine? Uh, yeah. All right. I got to go. Let someone else get in there. All right. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Good talking to you. Let's go to Colorado. Doug, welcome to the program. Hey, Lauren, I'm going to have you jump in here and start talking to Doug because I have an email here with some cholesterol numbers and I want to plug them into the calculator. Oh, gotcha. Okay, perfect. Hi, Doug. How's it going? Good. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Kevin. I, uh, well, first off, I have a, uh, uh, 96 Peterbilt. Um, I have a vibration around 50 miles an hour. I have a fix wow. for you. I I've got your solution. Yeah. What? Um, pour, pour, uh, a mix a 50, 50 mix of max mileage catalyst and hot honey in your front tires and your vibration will go away. <laughs> Uh, if I chrome them. Chrome uh, right. Them Chroming would help too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, um, I think I did my, I did a neutral Q, uh, uh, gosh, it's probably been four or five months or better. Well, that's um, not too long. But some of the changes that's been going on my, my, uh, I I was I've been doing keto uh pretty strict for three years or so. Um I mean I render my own elk fat. Uh my awesome. bone broth is all out of my my elk bones. Um grass fed beef. Um grass you know, the wild the chickens are just on their own, it's like Easter every day. Yeah. Getting eggs. Love that. Um so they're, they're out there eating the bugs and everything. Uh the only thing that I don't eat that is that isn't clean is would be our pork. Um, we don't eat a lot of pork, but like the bacon and, uh, you know, that's not, yeah, I've kind of got a little bit of a theory about that too. So ruminants, I think are the most important to, to eat, you know, properly, which is grass. That that's all ruminants should eat beef, um, lamb, sheep. Um, they should be eating plants and grass. That's, that's it. Um, when we come to chickens and, and pigs, which are omnivores, they eat a lot of different stuff. And I think they are less right. affected by the poor diet. Now, I still strive to make sure my chickens are as healthy as possible. And, and I do eat a lot of pork. I love pork. Um, so I do yeah. order most of my pork is from, you know, forested regenerative farms. But... If there's a meat that I'm going to eat that is just, you know, kind of maybe a little better quality, uh, but may still be, you know, kind of factory farmed, it will be pork. I, I just don't think it's as affected 
by the poor diet as some other animals are. Right. Well, my, I, I got off the blood pressure medicine, um, and right. maintaining it and doing good. Awesome. Well, it's back up and elevated again. Um, oh, it's been, you, you think, you think your sleeping habits were, but were bad. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm usually four to six hours in three to four different increments. I, yeah. my sleeping yeah. absolutely horrible. horrible. Uh, um, and I know my stress is, is up there. Um, but my, I don't know if that's the contribution to my high yes. blood pressure. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. We, we don't need to look anywhere else. There really aren't any diseases that cause high blood pressure. There, there are no like major malfunctions that cause high blood pressure. High blood pressure is absolutely a metabolic disease. Stress is a big part of it, uh, bigger than most other things we look at. So what I can tell you, I'm absolutely confident of this approach. The more you do the stress protocol, the more often you do it. Right. And I, I would also, were you listening earlier when I talked about the Four Sigmatic and all the, the mushroom adaptogen products? Yes, yes. Load up on them. I don't even try to okay. figure out which one or what. I, I, that's the complicated oh. part, and I don't want people to sit back and wait for me to try to figure all that out because I'm not even sure if I'm going to try. I would have to do a lot right. of intensive training, and then I would have to train other people. What I'd rather do is take the, the same approach we've taken with almost everything. Let's find out the simplest way and the, the least expensive way to at least make an improvement using adaptogens. And if, if somebody does this and 60 days from now, we haven't solved all their problems, then we'll go find a practitioner who's really good at adaptogens and we'll hand you off. Uh, that's what I am going to do. I'm going to go find a practitioner. Uh, I wish Danielle was available, but she's, you know, um, very, very busy in her new role at Four Sigmatic. Um, but there, there's practitioners out there. We'll find them. And I, I just think we're going to take this approach. Let's just take the shotgun approach. Buy as many of the products from Four Sigmatic at our store, once we get them all in, as you can, yeah. and take them all every day. Not all of them every day, but rotate through them so that you're taking something every day and maybe even multiples. And I just think we're going to see a lot of things improve with that strategy. And the, the stress protocol cost you almost nothing. You can do 75% of it with no cost at all. Right. The IR therapy, the infrared therapy is going to cost you some money. We, we've put out a couple options that work. Um, the adaptogen stuff, yeah, it, it's going to cost you some money, but it, it's food. I mean, it's drinks where, you know, we're, we're going to consume something anyway. Let's start putting more of these adaptogens in. And I think this is going to be the best approach for this. Okay. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been working on a lot of the stress protocol. Like you said, all the, like you said, 75% that you can do, you know, just with don't have to spend got. a penny. Right. So, yeah, that's, right. that's not a right. bad percentage. And, yeah, I mentioned it to my boy, and he says, 
oh, I've been doing that. I didn't know I was doing something good for me. I, awesome. think I, was, I was just doing it to do it. Oh, good. <laughs> good. So, yeah, I've done, uh, I, we've tried to, I've, I've had uh, three uh, practitioners and, and they've all kind of gone weird on me when, you know, well, you really should be eating more vegetables. And another one went strict <laughs> vegan. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, another one just tried to, just nothing but supplements. Oh. And I've just spent a fortune on trying to find <laughs> a good one. And I, I know, I know. I Look, I, I, I still see why, you know, there are practitioners out there that I absolutely respect. Dr. Hyman, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman from the Cleveland Clinic. We talked about him a lot in the beginning. Um, I, I have I have started to kind of veer away from them because they are still pushing a pretty heavily plant-based diet. Um, yeah. Dr. Will Cole, um, I, I love what he does. He helps a lot of people. I, I am now of the belief that pushing a plant-heavy diet is the wrong way to go. It's not that they people won't get healthier. They will. It's better than the standard American diet. At least these guys aren't afraid of fat and they'll still push keto. And But they do promote a lot of plants. And I, I think that's a mistake. I really do. I, 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 I don't think that there are many plants that we add to our diet that really improve our health much. And the, 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 the exception may be the adaptogens. And, and most of those that we're using come from mushrooms and mushrooms are a totally different compound. They're, they're different than every other kind of food. We could call them a plant because they're not really an animal, but they're a fungi. It, it's a whole different world. And I have a feeling at some point we're going to find out that hunter gatherers were exposed to a lot of fungi in the natural world, just like bacteria, because I'm wondering to myself, why do I right. have to eat all these weird mushrooms to get healthy? And, and I started thinking, well, maybe it's because it, when we lived as a hunter gatherer, we were just exposed to these things a lot. Yeah. So when, when well, I, 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 I just, alone, I, I just they... don't see many plants really adding to our health and, and it's taken me a long time to get yeah. there. Yeah. Well, with my like with my my cholesterol just climbing and being so high, I mean, is that a well? Wait, uh, well, let let's talk about your cholesterol, um, <laughs> because here's the real story. If we look at raw numbers, I'm going to go through your raw numbers first. Your total cholesterol is 288. If we're only looking at raw numbers, that's considered high risk. That number makes no sense to me at all because in that number are numbers we want to be higher and numbers we want to be lower. So I just throw that one out completely. Your LDL of 194 is very high risk. Well, there's a problem with that because we haven't identified what kind of LDL you have. So I'm going to throw that one out. Your HDL of 77 is optimal. That's just using raw scores, not even a ratio. I agree with that one. Your triglyceride level of 85 is normal. I agree with that too. Now let's get to the ratios. Your total cholesterol to HDL ratio is 3.74. Good is under five. So you're clearly good. You're only two points away from being ideal. 
on that ratio. Your HDL to LDL ratio is 0.397. Preferably, we want it over 0.3. So you're over, you're good. Ideally, we want it over 0.4. You're three one hundreds away from being ideal in that ratio. Your triglycerides to HDL ratio is 1.1. Preferably, we want to be under four, ideally under two. You are ideal. So your ratios are good, almost ideal, good, almost ideal, and ideal. There's nothing wrong with your cholesterol. The only thing we could do if we wanted to, and I don't recommend it, you could go do a particle size test and we'll probably figure out that your LDL is mostly healthy LDL. Okay. So, um, cause my doctor, she's, you know, well, oh my gosh, she is just all about the that. Of course. You know, I, I just wish my, my argument. I, I would love, 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 love to do a show every week where we got a different doctor who disagreed with me to come on the show with me. Yeah. <laughs> I would well, love I that. I found the, your episode on the, I think it was April 11th on statins and tried to, you know, absorb most of that information. I just listened to it twice, back to back, trying to get a little more understanding of it, you know, it, it, on, uh, they have screwed so us up so bad on this topic. Yeah, they have confused the hell out of us. And, and this is one where the doctors don't understand it. That's the really scary part. The doctors really don't get this topic. With all their you know, study and research and hours and hours and years of school, they just don't even understand this issue. They can't even explain it correctly. I, like I said, I'd love to, I, every week I would do a show with a different doctor. The only thing that would ever shut down the conversation is every time the doctor would say, well, you didn't go to medical school. That will, that will, that, I, that's right. I didn't go to medical school. That's an advantage I have. I don't have four years of being brainwashed by the big pharma, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, But a lot of times that's what I hear from doctors. I've gotten into some conversations with doctors on social media and, you know, at, at other yeah. events and, and things that have functions that I've been to. And as soon as I start to make any kind of a point about any of this stuff, then they start with the, well, you didn't go to medical school. <laughs> that's not an argument. <laughs> Dispute what I just said. Yeah. yeah. With and they their can't. mountains of information. With their mountains of exactly. Um, yeah. That isn't there. Right. So, so the the cholesterol being two eighty eight and the HDL seventy seven. What HDL so at seventy seven is awesome. That's optimal. Even on the oh. traditional oh, measurements, okay. HDL of seventy seven is optimal. Um, which one were they looking at? LDL. Oh, the cholesterol non-HDL. Uh, yeah, don't even look at that because that's not even defined enough for us to do anything with. We don't even use okay. that number in ratios or anything. I, I, I never look at that number. 
HDL, so everybody agrees on. Even your doctor would agree if, if, if she has a clue about cholesterol, no matter what she believes, she should believe that an HDL of 77 is optimal. And my triglyceride is... Your triglycerides aren't bad. Even under a traditional readings, the one that would freak them out is your total cholesterol, which is a stupid number to use, and your um, LDL being at 194. That's what's going to freak them out the most. But again, if, if we don't know what the makeup if, is of that LDL, you can't claim that that's good or bad. I'm going by experience. I don't want you to go spend the money on a particle size test because when I see cholesterol numbers like this and I know what your diet is, I know what your LDL is going to look like. It's going to be big and fluffy the way we want it to be. Okay. Well, that does make me feel better, I guess. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry about the cholesterol. I, I, I think your, I, your cholesterol numbers are better than mine. And mine are really good. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I would, can you explain real quick? We use the the the, the wrong term uh, when people say bad cholesterol. What what did we? What is the what is the wrong definition? What are we referring to when people say bad cholesterol? I, I forgot what you had said about that. Yeah. Before. So. So the, first off, the, the, we should just throw out the term bad cholesterol. It, it's just confusing. I'm not right. to say that there isn't right. such a thing. There is, but it's very confusing. We should throw out total cholesterol as a number. We should never talk about it. It's a meaningless number. On the surface, any fourth grader that understands math would understand that's a meaningless number. You can't take three or four numbers, combine them, and, and then say this is meaningful when some of those numbers you want to be higher and some of those numbers you want to be lower. I, that's just, it, that's just yeah. it makes no sense mathematically to even do that. HDL, we all have kind of agreed, seems to be very protective for your heart. The higher your HDL is, the, the healthier your heart tends to be. So we all agree on that. The, the two components that freak doctors out are triglycerides because that's fat in your bloodstream and doctors are terrified of fat. Well, they shouldn't be. It's not a problem. Bad LDL is what really causes all the damage. So we could say the a certain form of LDL is bad for us. Small, dense LDL. That's the component that if there is a little tear in your artery and and the body sends cholesterol there to fix it if your cholesterol is made up of small dense ldl that's what can start to form the clot where does damaged ldl come from the standard american diet too many processed foods high sugar high fructose high carbohydrate chemicals that's what causes damaged LDL. Okay. All righty. We don't even oh, talk fine. about the fact that most of the stuff we're talking about isn't cholesterol. 
LDL is not cholesterol. It stands for low-density lipoprotein. It's a protein. It carries cholesterol. So we don't even have the right concept of what cholesterol is. We talk about things and we call them cholesterol that aren't. They're the transporters of cholesterol. Oh, yeah. HDL, high-density lipoprotein. Not cholesterol, it's a protein. That's what I mean. Doctors try to have this conversation with a doctor and and they don't seem to understand any of this. Even... (laughs) Even the natural doctors who started using things like red yeast, rice, and these other natural foods that will lower cholesterol, that's a bad idea. We don't want to lower cholesterol. Those those foods or nutrients block cholesterol the same way statins do. They block the liver from producing it. We shouldn't be taking those things. Right. They could yeah, be natural I'm, all they want. We're not even going to but, but yeah, we should not be trying to lower our cholesterol. We should be trying to make it healthier, and that's easy. Eat a really high-quality animal-based diet, and your cholesterol gets really healthy. Well, that's where I'm working, because it's easier to eat that way than it is to try to figure all this out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly ignore your cholesterol, really. Okay. All right. We're okay. gonna we're gonna cut you loose because I wanna keep rolling through the calls here. We're gonna have to wrap this up in a little bit. We're at the three hour mark, but I am gonna finish the last two calls I have. Um Angie, don't take any you know what? I'm gonna go turn the calls off. I I can do that now. Um so we're going to Mississippi. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, Ken. I want to thank my favorite cult leader for getting me off the Kool-Aid and on the bone broth. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It is kind of it, it is kind of like a cult. I, I will admit that. But it's a good cult. It's fun. <laughs> Indeed, it is. the the um, only The only so thing. Just, just so people are clear, the only thing we behead in our cult are little bunnies. Oh, yummy! Exactly, they're tasty. We, we will, we will behead things that are tasty. Oh, right. Uh, so, for the last like week, you've been talking about trying to come up with a name for your new line of stuff, and uh, I've been thinking about that. You know. You, when you get sick and go to the doctor, they give you antibiotics and all the nutritionists say you should be drinking probiotics and eating yogurt and stuff. Uh, let's call yours uh, adaptabiotics. Oh, there's an interesting one. What do, I, I, we have to go back and figure out what those two terms mean together. Um, uh, you know, there, there's always like the root of what is the root of biotic? What, what's the root of that word? What does it actually mean? That's a good question. I'd have to go look that up. I should know that. And what is the root? What is the, you know, what, where did the word adaptogen come from? Um, my best Biotic guess, is relating. Go ahead. Biotic is relating to living things. 
Oh, that's good. Okay. So anything, yeah, that's well, a good one. Yeah, I like that. But and adaptogen, oh, that's... The best guess I have is that it helps our um, our nervous system adapt to stressors. I mean, that's always been my understanding. Active ingredients, active ingredients in certain plants and mushrooms that may impact how your body deals with stress, anxiety, and fatigue. Yeah, I got that one. So, okay, so uh, uh, what did you say, adaptobiotics? Adi- exactly. I, I, but they won't be living when you get them. So the biotics may not work. Why, on, on the honey? Oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the adapt. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The the adaptogens in the mu- but remember when I'm making all of these mushroom adaptogen concoctions and drinks, I'm adding the hot honey, which is probiotic. Yeah, they're living. Which probiotic and yep. prebiotic in many cases. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, we might be onto something. That name's going on the list, yeah. Awesome. Uh, And while I got you, I had had a question for you. I've been all all over Healthy Tribes searching for this. Did you you ever post up your X3 bar routine somewhere? Yes. It's in a video someplace, maybe in the Living Wild Protocol. So we do have major changes coming to the website starting on December 8th. December 8th, we will flip a switch, roll out some pretty big changes. Nothing the members are going to have to worry about. You will just see that the site starts getting a lot better, Uh, a lot easier to navigate, a lot easier to find these kind of things. It will be easier for me to say on the air, oh yeah, just click on this and you'll, you'll find it. Uh, but it, it the X3 bar workout is there somewhere, probably more than once. It seems like I remember doing at least two videos. Um, one of them, I went through and the that's whole on stress protocol. Tribe, right? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, look in the discover okay. section. I think if you on the left side, you'll see a, a, a menu item called discover. You may find it in there. Um, you could always call our tribe care team, and they should be able to help you to find it too. Uh, like I say, after December eighth, that's gotcha. going to get a lot better. But I, I know it's there. I did the gotcha. I did the entire stress protocol on at least one video and maybe two. I go through the IR routine, the breathing routine, the X three bar. I even did um, uh, not safe for work or children. I did a shower video. Actually, it's it's safe. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it is me in the shower doing the cold shower thing, but, uh, um, it, it's, uh, it's rated PG. Okay. I think then, I, uh, I think I might've, video I, that... I, I think I might've swore when the cold water hit me. That's why it's PG and not G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that died suddenly video, one thing I wanted to bring up, um, they, they missed an opportunity there, I think. And I don't know if it was intentional or not. Obviously that video took several months to put together and they had found these clots in many, many cadavers, obviously, but they never actually talk about what the clot is. They're like, 
I'm sure they had a lab test it to see what it's made of, what that fibrous material really is. They don't tell us, and I'm wondering I, why. I thought they had said something about proteins or even the spike protein. Well, they, they did a lot of theorizing on it, but I, right. I watched that video three times looking close. But, you know, they never said anything. You know, we had a lab analyze it, and it's made up of this. this. They, they never go in to say any of that. And they had plenty of time and plenty of samples to do that. And so I'm just curious as to why that's that was point. left out. I yeah. feel like that's kind of an important because people want to make sure that, you know, before they're showing their bodies, they haven't, you know, injection molded these bodies with something into their veins and then show them pulling it back out. That, that, that's my Uh, point that, that this could be a fake. I, I, I'm not ruling out that possibility that this could have been faked. It's a pretty elaborate fake and they did a hell of a job if it is. But my other point is if it's a fake, It should be really easy to prove, and these people would have to be insane to, to fake something like this. I, I, I'm not saying that they didn't, but it'd be pretty crazy. Man, if, if people find out that this was faked, holy cow. And, and, the, and the biggest problem is if, it, if, if any part of it was fake, that's really going to hurt the yes. whole image of, I, of being anti-vax. Well, here's, here's what I will commit to. I, I'm going to stay on top of this. It, it's, you know, I'm not just going to say, look, they made a video, it proves everything. Um, I, I want somebody to prove or disprove this. If it turns out that this can be disproved, I will spread their names everywhere. I will be the one saying it was fake. Here's the people who are behind it. Don't ever trust them again. Right. And then it, uh, the part of the video where they sh- it shows all the people, you know, doing their little spinning around thing and dying and the, the girl falling under the train and all that. Yeah. Like I didn't catch it the first time Oof. through, but by the third time through, you start to realize that a lot of those are the same people and they've just got multiple camera angles on the same event. See that I, I I'm, I'm sure that they 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 did in this film what we all do in marketing. You put your strongest argument forward, and yep. you do things like that to strengthen your. I, I get that, sure. yeah, and and you bring up a good point that. I I read somewhere, and I'm gonna go check on this when I get time. Um, that one of the scenes in there, and I don't remember, was there a basketball player that collapsed? Uh, yes. So I saw a post on Twitter, and it's just a Twitter post, so we need to follow this up, but this is the kind of discussion and follow-up we should be having. They claimed that that player, they, they identified who the player was, and claimed that he did collapse on the court at some point, but he's still alive and playing. That he didn't die. <laughs> and, and if that's true, well, then shame on them. They, they should be careful about what examples they use because they can lose a lot of credibility quickly if they do stuff like that. Or it could be the Twitter poster just lied completely. That happens all the time, too. Right. And then the, yeah, they, these the people on I, both sides will outright blatantly lie, knowing that 99% of the people will never check on it. Right. 
Now, one of the first things I do before I watch any documentary was I, I Googled the, the, the guy who produced it and found out that he is a, he's a radio talk show host who is one of the most hardcore conspiracy theorists on the radio. Yes. And, uh, and so I, I got worried. And then I watched the video, and I'm like, okay, there's a lot of good information that I believe, and I'm just really scared that they might have exaggerated a couple of things that's going to hurt the, you know, right. the actual facts that they're trying to portray. I, I, you know, here's the way I would have approached this if I would have done something like this. I would have worked really, really hard to understate things. I wouldn't have used multiple camera angles of the same people. If it turns out that this basketball player did collapse but didn't die, I wouldn't have used those. I would have done the opposite. I would have tried to keep the credibility so above board nobody could question it. Right. Yep. And, and so I, I believe the message, I, be, I believe the vaccine is bad and dangerous. I mean, this, I, should, I should love this video, but I'm just, I'm a little too worried that they took it a little. I am too. Little, uh, below board right. on some things. Right. I, I am too. I, I, so, I, I really hope but, that they didn't. I, honestly, I mean, if, if, like I said, if I could have things the way I wanted, I, I would hope that this is just fake completely fake and there's a better better alternative and a better explanation for this because if this is real well, that, this is far worse than anything i've ever imagined oh it's scary it's terrifying and it's definitely scary yeah. and it, yeah you know, you know it, it definitely it made me think a lot which i enjoyed you know this documentary has made me think more than anything since the magic pill came out yeah yeah, so we'll we'll see. And, and the best thing, the best advice I can give people is watch it, talk about it, try to get somebody else to watch it, get them to talk about it. Let's either prove this thing is fake or it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's all I got. I know you got a ton of calls today, so thanks for your time. You're welcome. We're we're going to Kansas, and Bob, you have the final word today. What's on your mind? Oh, I just, just listened to the show today. I, I, I'm a proud member of your cult for about the last four and a half years. And uh, I was, I just talking about the vaccine, I wasn't planning on talking about that, but I, my wife's family is full of doctors and successful people, the engineers and stuff like that. And I really resisted giving my family the uh, vaccine. And I'm so proud that I did. You know, it was, it was a lot of hurt feelings in there. I'll bet. Keep a lot of pushing, a lot of phone calls. You know, oh, you guys should do it, and it's for the sake of your family and your children. And used a lot of pressure on me, and I, you know, I had to resist quite a bit. But you know, I that day about this book that I heard you mention the other day, just a little bit. So I, I know you're aware of it. It's uh, called Brain Energy, and it's by Chris Palmer. Yep. And I tell you what, it is such, I am so, I just, sometimes I'll be listening and I just feel, feel the hairs on my neck stand up. I started this diet. I started down this journey to lose weight because somebody made fun of my big fat belly. And I had no idea that it would fix something that was so wrong with me. I didn't even realize how wrong it was. I had a, 
I had a terrible drinking problem and I, I, I wouldn't admit it. I mean, I wouldn't tell people I didn't know how to even explain it. It was something that was in my family. It's been in my family. My father, my father's father, my brothers and sisters all have this, you know, terrible drinking problem. And I would drink until I would black out or pass out. And I hurt relationships and friends because of it. And I had no idea. I did not understand the behavior and why I was doing and why I was engaging in these you, behaviors. You were self-medicating. And this book, this book, like, oh, you know, and I, this journey that I've been on, I'm like, why did this work? You know, why did this diet work? And so I, I wanted to find more books. I wanted to find more information. Why it worked so well for me. I mean, if you look at a picture of me when I was in my 20s, I carry more, excuse me, more muscle now in my 40s, my late 40s, than I do did when I was in my it's, mid-20s. Kevin. Isn't that awesome? I look like a totally it's, different person. Isn't that and awesome? Not only now I understand. Yes, it is. It is the best feeling every day. And I would go through these bouts of depression my whole life that I couldn't explain. I would just go dark for three or four days at a time. And I, in the last four years, I have not done that at all. I have not engaged in, in just letting myself get to this depression. That's incredible. And I don't understand it. And, that's in, that's this, incredible. This is just something that I... It, it eats at me all the time, and I and I have never been a book reader. I have never engaged in any of this kind of stuff before. But now, I, the more I find out, and I find this book, this one book, and it like just puts it so well about how the mitochondria is the thing that feeds our cells, and when our cells are fed correctly, and there's not all these, what does he call it, the oxygen. The species that you know from reactive oxygen species yeah fuel. there you go and this dirty fuel is causing all this stuff to happen in the cells that are making the cells sick that are making them do do engage in these weird on and off scenarios where they won't shut off or they will will not turn yep. on and so, yeah, so I'm glad you brought this up. It's a great way to end this um, segment. And um, I'm not going to tell the Thanksgiving story. Um, maybe I'll tell a really quick version of it. Uh, it's going to have to be really quick, though. Um, Lauren, um, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this book yet. So let's just commit right now. This is our topic for next Wednesday. Do we have a guest next Wednesday? We have a lot of guests coming up. Oh, that's a good question. I even like even if we do, we'll finish with the guest. Maybe we'll do an hour with the guest. And then the topic after that for you and I will be this book, Brain Energy. Um, you and I have talked Brain about energy. this. When we do one-on-ones and discovery calls and we find people who are on SSRIs, and a lot of them are, um, we've always been a little hesitant. I want to tell those people to stop taking them. They're horrible. But people get so emotional about those drugs and they absolutely start to believe without those drugs, they're going to go right off the deep end. They're, don't you get this impression, Lauren, that they're, they're terrified to stop those drugs? Oh, definitely, definitely. Wait till you read this book. 
You will no longer worry. I will be absolutely confident now when I talk to these people. I will highly encourage them to do whatever they have to do to get off all of those drugs as soon as possible. And we can fix this with diet. And this guy proves it. It, it, This is nothing more than a metabolic. I've read it. Yeah, I've already read it. I I started reading it the day it came out. It It was just released a couple days ago. Um, and yeah, yeah, gonna... yeah, it's new, but it, it, it just you proves, put it down yeah, it, it just proves that this is nothing more than a metabolic disease. This is nothing more than insulin resistance and inflammation and all the same things that causes our heart disease or kidney disease or liver disease or arthritis or sore joints or sore achy muscles. This is no different. It's the exact same cause. It's inflammation in the brain. Mm-hmm. It does not There's require so many drugs, of us, Kevin. Who come to this way? Who come to this way of eating? And you know, and when you really buy in, when you really, where it just becomes like in my mind, eating meat just that's all I need to, yes. yeah. to go. And when your brain works that way. And then you do that, not just for a few months, that when you do this for years, all of these, your thought pattern all starts to change. And you start to feel like when I drank before, I, I didn't even understand what a hangover was. I'd be like, right. you guys get hangovers? It, and, like, right. and when you quit, when you, when, you're, when you start to come in touch with your body and the way your body is you know, when it feels right, when everything's working right, and then you go off the wagon and you drink a little bit, you're like, oh, yeah. that's what people are talking <laughs> right. about. Right. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let hey, you guys go. Yeah. Hey, Bob, I, uh, we're, thank you for bringing this book and this topic up, and I want you to call in next week when we're talking about it. You bet. All right. Bet. We'll talk to you then. All right, Lauren, have you ever heard the story... Yeah. Acres of Diamonds. No. Okay, good. I love it when I have new victims. Uh, I've been telling this story for years. (laughs) Um, Normally, I kind of practice it. I am going to do this totally cold off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to set up the story. It it is a true story. It, it, It Much of this story happened. The first time I heard it was probably 35 years ago from Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale was just an amazing speaker, uh, author, just a, just a really, really smart guy when it came to, you know, living the right way, success, those kind of things. So I, I listened to Earl Nightingale a lot back then, and that was the first time I heard the story. So it is true. A lot of speakers tell this story because there's a great lesson in it. Um, Almost everybody takes, you know, artistic license. I had been telling my version of the story for so long. When I went back and listened to the original version I heard from Earl Nightingale, I was shocked at how different it was. I had changed all kinds of things. So it, it's it's one of those, it, it's almost become like a parable or a fable. You know, it doesn't really matter if we get all the details right. I don't know who has the right details. Uh, you can go back and research this, though, how and why this story got started. Um, but just know that when I tell it, it's not 
exactly the same. I haven't told it in several years now. So uh, I'm going to tell a quick version of it so we kind of get the message. And I always tell it around Christmas time. So there was um, one of the early black colleges, and I used to know all these details. Um, and they, there was a speaker who would, went around and he tried to raise money for this college. And he actually did. He got the college funded and started. And this was the story he told. That, that's the original version of it. And you can go back and find, you know, pretty close to that original version. Like I said, I've heard other speakers tell it. Everybody tells it a little differently. I've got my own version. It, it's the message we're looking for, not the details. So the story is called Acres of Diamonds. And the story goes that it, this was right around the turn of the century, happened in uh, South Africa. And South Africa is where most of the world's diamonds come from. They were discovering diamonds all over the place, and it, it was a big deal. So there was this farmer, and farming in South Africa and most parts of the world at the time was not something that was going to make you rich. You, most people barely survived, and that was the case here. He owned this farm, barely survived, barely got by, wasn't ever really progressing. And he started reading and hearing about all these stories about people discovering diamonds, and he kept thinking to himself, well, that would solve all my problems. If I could just go discover diamonds, I'd be rich and I wouldn't have all these problems. And then he thought to himself, but when am I going to go look for diamonds? Because just to survive, I have to work this farm every day. And it's nonstop and, and I'm not really getting anywhere. So he decides to take the big risk. He's going to sell the farm and take the money and go look for diamonds. And he's, then he'll have money, he'll have time, and all he has to do is discover diamonds, and all of his problems will be solved. So he sells the farm, and he goes searching for diamonds. And he wanders all over, and he can't find any diamonds. And he's running out of money. And he gets to the end of the money, and he doesn't know what to do. Now he's really desperate and... He's broke, and he just happens to wander back to his own farm, the one he sold. And he's shocked. Mm -hmm. The place looks amazing. All the fencing is new. There's new barns. There's healthy animals in the field. And he thinks to himself, what, did, what could this new owner have done that I wasn't doing? I tried everything. I could never make this farm successful. And so he, he goes up and he knocks on the door and he asks the farmer and he said, I, I, I just have to know, what, what did you do? What did you change? How, why does the farm look so good? And the farmer invites him in and he sits down on the couch and he said, well, let me show you something. And he walks over to the fireplace and on the mantle, there's a rock. And he tosses the rock to the farmer and he said, this is what did it. And the farmer looks at it and he says, well, I don't get it. He said, these rocks are all over the backside of the property. They're, they're in the stream. They're everywhere. And the guy says, that rock you're holding is one of the largest diamonds ever discovered in Africa. And the, the original oh, farmer says, well, this isn't a diamond. What he, what he failed to realize was he sold everything 
to go look for a diamond or diamonds, and he had no idea mm-hmm. what diamonds look like in the rough. They don't look like diamonds. No, they don't. <laughs> so he sold Aww. one of the largest diamond mines in South Africa to go look for diamonds, but didn't understand what he was looking for. And the lesson that I got from this story was that we are all surrounded by acres of diamonds. We just don't know what we're looking for. And we look for the wrong things, just like he did. We chase money, we chase success, and we don't really understand what those things look like in the real world. Most of us have it completely wrong. And I started when I, when I would tell this story at, at seminars, I started to use some examples of how wealthy we are, our, our acre of diamonds. All of us have it. Just this alone. Would you trade your citizen as, as much as our country is screwed up right now, would you trade your citizenship here to live anywhere else in the world? I wouldn't. Absolutely not. No way. And that was just pure luck. No. I didn't do anything to be born here, but I'm pretty damn fortunate. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful that I was born here and not born in a place where you don't have the kind of opportunities we have. Um, how many people would sell their eyesight for a million dollars? Ten million. I wouldn't. No way. Oh. No way. There's no amount of money you no could way. give me for that. But are we really grateful for it? Or do we just take it for granted? Unfortunately, most of us do take it for granted. I was telling, this is a true story. I could find the people that will verify this. I was giving this talk at the Dallas Truck Show in the first couple of years that show was around. And they had me in a, a seminar room that had no windows. We were down in the basement. And I'm telling the story. And as I'm telling this part about would you sell your eyesight for a million dollars, the lights went off in the room and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And I thought, no way. I thought, and I didn't know the people running the board or the lights, they're all supplied by the convention center, but I thought somebody got clever over there and decided to turn the lights off because I said that. So I'm standing there wondering what I should say. And I finally, I said, hey, whoever turned the lights off, that was really clever. Could you turn them back on? And I, all of a sudden I hear, we have no idea why the lights went out. We're scrambling. And a couple of minutes later, the lights came out. Somebody had turned a breaker off down the hall. I, I almost couldn't finish. It was such a weird experience. Yeah. Um, it was just bizarre. So... Then I started thinking, okay, we all have an acre of diamonds and we just take it for granted. The fact that we're in this country, we have all these opportunities. We have our eyesight. For the most part, we're, we're still healthy enough. Even the sick people, they're healthy enough to go out and create the life they want. We all have that yeah. opportunity. So few people ever realize the opportunity. So I started thinking, what else do I have? What do I have specifically? And you know what I came up with? 
Do you know what my acre of diamonds was at that time? It was the fact that I was a truck driver and I had all day to listen to this kind of content. Mm. That was my acre of diamonds. I'm listening to this story because I'm able to, while I work, I can listen to this kind of stuff all day. And I thought, that's it. That's right there. That is my acre of diamonds. Wow. I like that. You know, we, we, we take so much of this for granted. And I, I tell this story so that I remember these lessons And I I just want other people to stop and think about things for a while. Think about the the stuff I just talked about. You were born here. You're you're healthy. You have your eyesight. Many of the people listening to me do drive a truck. You have that same acre of diamonds I had. The ability to actually become more effective at making people healthy than doctors can. That's what's possible. We just have to remember of that. So before you go chasing success, maybe you should identify it. What does that really mean for you? And most people haven't done that. And once you identify it, then you could look around and say, wow, I really do have everything I need to achieve that right now. There's nothing that would stop me from achieving this. It's all very possible. We just never stop to identify that. It's powerful. That's my Thanksgiving story. I like that Thanksgiving story. It wasn't what I expected, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Good. Now you have to go look up the the original story and see how much I've bastardized it. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I definitely will. But the message is there. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, exactly. Yeah. The message is there. That's yeah. all that matters. Right. Right. All right. What a long day again. Three and a half hours, no breaks. Anything you want to close with? I know. I just want to, you know, basically thank you guys. Thank the tribe. Thank everyone, you know, who listens for allowing, you know, a platform for me to work with you, Kevin, who is incredible. I'm very grateful for, you know, what I'm able to contribute and, you know, that I have people that actually want to listen because it's not that easy. You know, it's <laughs> interesting. It, it's interesting that that's the point you brought up. And I love that because, Uh, One of my gratitudes this week, and I I say this all the time, and you just basically said the same thing. I'm grateful that we have a tribe that listens and engages. I I wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't have the tribe. And I can go back to the beginning. And when I told other people, you know, in other industries or even in the trucking industry, I was going to start working with drivers on eating better and meditating. And they laughed. That's never going to happen. I bet they did. Yeah, they did. That's never going to happen. Are you insane? That you're, you'll, you'll fail. And, and I'm so grateful now that one, I didn't listen to them. And two, they were wrong. Yes. We have an amazing tribe. I agree. You know, one of the things we used to talk about a lot, and, and we need to get back to this, 
when we started helping drivers with health, I set out a goal. And my goal was not to make truck drivers as healthy as the general population. My goal was to make truck drivers so healthy that the general population would want to know what the hell they did. (laughs) I love that. And that's exactly what's happening. Exactly. That's how our tribe started growing outside of trucking. Because people kept looking at these truck drivers going, what the hell did you do? Yeah. We need to get back to more of that. We need to mention that more often. That's our goal. Our goal is to get truck drivers so outrageously healthy that everybody around them looks at them and says, what the hell did you do? And how did you do it with your career? Exactly. It's doable, guys. Yep. All right. Great show. Great way to roll into Thanksgiving. I love that. And uh, I am looking forward to some time off. I need to really just step away from all my projects for the next four days and just uh, enjoy the family and the people around me and and just think about how grateful I am. Great. You deserve it. So please do enjoy that. I did post a Lauren's plate a little while ago. That is... um, from Thanksgiving meal prepping. Excellent. So go ahead and check that out. And then uh, we'll be back next week. Perfect. Thanks so much, Lauren. All right. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.